We're in for a wild night. Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 103 of Born to be Wild, a wild exclusive Hearthstone podcast where we have fun hanging out with friends, talking about the wild format of Hearthstone and spotlighting members of the wild community. I am your host, as always, Nate Wolf. It is great to be back on a beautiful spring evening here from uh, Portland, Oregon, joining you tonight with uh, two of my favorite people. Uh, Hydralisk is off tonight, but uh, in his place, we have Goliath the Dwarf back with another lore episode. Uh, picking up kind of where we left off last time with some of the Nazoth stuff, but getting into the sunken city. Uh, really, really excited to uh, dive in here. But before I do that, I just want to say um, good evening to my great friends here. So first up, Electric Sheep City. How are you tonight? Meowdy, I am here. It's been <laughs> a very uh, long and exhausting week. You know, yeah, work, but also uh, I'm packing. So uh, packing is going on, and in two weeks, I will be moving. So the end is nigh, and the what? packing push, yeah, <laughs> the packing push is upon us. Nice. So that's what's happening in Sheep City. Wow. Well, uh, thank you for being here amidst all the chaos. I, I Real life has been quite busy this week, I think, for all of us, like, checking yeah. in, and it's like, wow, hey, but we made it. We made it. We're here, and that's... That's good. And uh, joining us back uh, tonight, resident lore master Goliath the Dwarf. Thank you again for coming back. How are you tonight? Doing good. Always happy to be here. Um, this is definitely something that I love having a break at the end of my busy week because uh, for anyone listening later, this is being recorded just like the, the week before Easter. And mm -hmm. I don't know about your guys' work, but uh, for me, I work in a newspaper and uh, with the way the things go, uh, you need to have things turned in at a certain time when you write it about because there's a whole editorial and printing process that happens. And so since none of those people want to have to do work on a holiday, everything gets pushed uh, back in terms or pushed forward, whichever the term is, uh, for deadlines and such. So it's 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 been a week for me multitasking on a few different things including some of the the recapping and research for this but uh holiday prep and all that but uh it, it's all worth it when i can come here and just relax forget about everything else and take some again we use the pun way too much right now but the deep dive into these stories <laughs> yes yeah oh it's a good one tonight too yes it is so without further ado for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome aboard! <laughs> Let me briefly explain how this show works. We record this podcast live, 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 every Friday evening at twitch.tv slash borntobewildhs. And the video version of this podcast is posted to YouTube shortly thereafter. Audio versions are also distributed to all podcast apps. So however you're watching or listening or absorbing via osmosis, this podcast today, thank you. Yes. You. You. Ahoy, hoy! Yes. Hey, thank you, everybody. And yeah, however you're watching or listening or whatever, we really appreciate it. So a uh, big gigantic thank you. Um, to those of you who are hanging out with us here in Twitch chat, um, it's always great to see you. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us. We love we love to see it. And to everyone else, you know, listening um, to the 
to the podcast. Uh, the audio versions are on YouTube. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, real quick housekeeping before we get started. I want to say a quick but very important thank you to Shokunin, who is the executive producer of our show. Um, his just your support means the world to us, and we really appreciate it. Uh, and you know, re- very recently he donated a mega bundle to the show, and it was very awesome. And so thank you so so much for your support, and thank you also to uh, our patrons. Your your help is uh, immeasurable, and we very much appreciate it. Um, if you are looking for ways to support the show, there are a couple of free ways to do it. If you leave a a like, a comment, subscription on the YouTube, it helps other people find us. And same kind of thing with the uh, the audio podcast. If you leave a um, a uh, review on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon podcast or wherever else, uh, you know, it helps people to find us. Uh, if you are watching live on Twitch and you are interested in supporting, if you uh, give us a subscribe here, there's some emotes that you can unlock. Um, this is free. If you use Amazon prime, there is a free subscription option. Um, we do have some brand new emotes that we've had, I guess for a couple weeks now that are super fun. And then finally, if you're interested uh, in, in donating, we do have a Patreon that you can join for as little as a dollar a month that, uh, supports the show directly. Uh, lastly, if you want, would like to interact with any of us personally, we do have a Discord server. For those of you not familiar, it's just an online community of friends that we've made all across the world. We talk throughout the week. Uh, we share screenshots. We share deck lists. We we chat. We share memes. We talk about real life, and and it's just a super kind of fun and wholesome place. And that's where I get all my deck lists. Uh, and uh, have, have fun doing some co-ops and stuff like that. If you're interested in finding any of this stuff, the easiest way is to just visit our website, borntobewildhs.com, and links to all of it is there. Um, okay, that's it. That is the housekeeping. Uh, let's jump into the show proper, and the reason that everybody's here tonight is to learn the lore behind the sunken city. And this is the... I just want to preface it very briefly, saying that this is the first time I've, I've truly... Um, like I researched for this one and I, it makes me just appreciate what you do even more Goliath because I spent hours. I, I remember thinking, um, you know, last week my, my wife and son were out of town for half the week visiting her folks and uh, they're back now, but I had time and I'm sitting here and like, Oh yeah, I'll just devote a couple hours to this. I want to, I want to do my homework. Uh-huh. I want to read. I want to kind of write it up because we might use this for something else down the line. And, and let's just do this. And all of a sudden it's been eight hours. It's now dark outside. It's almost nine o'clock at night. And I was like, oh, I guess I better eat something. And like, wow, wow. I mean, we keep using the the joke slash pun of like taking the deep dive, but like there is like rabbit hole upon rabbit hole upon rabbit hole. And so tonight we are going to be doing some skipping around because otherwise this would be like an eight hour episode. Um, this is what happens when you have a universe of people have been contributing story elements to for nigh on 20 years. So, right. Yes. And, and uh, so many people working together, adding this bit and that bit across games, comics, books, uh, even uh, audio dramas. Sometimes it, it took me like, I'd say maybe at least two years or more to get to the level of expertise that I have now. And even still, I have to go and refresh myself on many things before we talk about it, because there's just way too much to contain in one memory at a time. Oh, know? absolutely. There's so much here. And then uh, the, the, the one th- caveat that I want to throw out before passing the mic off to Goliath is that if you're um, listening to the audio version of this podcast, you may want to check out the video version on YouTube because as we talk about the story elements, we'll have pictures on the screen of uh, whether it's uh, artwork from the game or screenshots from World of Warcraft or the actual Hearthstone cards. Uh, 
And something that we point out many times are that the developers and artists are very intentional about the references that they use. And so many times the things that you see on the cards are pulled from game elements that you wouldn't know without like knowing the story behind, which just makes it all that more interesting. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing, uh, you know, the artwork of the pictures as you're hearing the story, check it out. Otherwise, enjoy. And uh Oh, sorry. Final thing. I do have all of this typed up in a giant document in Google Docs. We'll put it in the show notes if anyone wants to like <laughs> dive into it. It is uh, th- 38 pages. Wow. And it's a very <laughs> brief summary of many elements here. It doesn't scratch the surface. Quite gigante. <laughs> it is. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, that is it for me. Loremester, please take us away. All right. So... In order to talk about Naga and a sunken city, we first have to talk about that city before it was sunk and the people lived there. But before that, we need to talk about who built the city and what were they like beforehand. So, we actually have to take a trip overly, really far back, past the 10,000 years that Illidan so often references. Uh, the 10,000 years, uh, make it more like, uh, uh, 15,000 years or something. I'm a little rusty on some of the exact dates on things, but essentially we're going to talk to the evolution of a whole race here because I'm going to start, we're going to play a little game, guys. Uh, I don't know if, Nay, if you stumbled across this while you were doing your research here, but, uh, we're going to guess where do night elves come from? I am going to list off... Uh, four different races here that one of them evolved into night elves, and I want you to guess which one it is. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. So race number one is blood elves. Race number two is humans. Race number three is trolls. Race number four is void elves. And race number five is the nightborn elves which one evolved into night elves okay so it's obviously not nightborn elves because you know th- those were born so i'm, I'm gonna go with blood elves i want to go with blood elves I-, I i have nothing to base that off of just you know they were bloody and then they turned out the lights so boom <laughs> night elves <laughs> nate what are you thinking i i you know i i I don't see how it could be trolls. It, it, it seemed like it would be like one type of elf and then maybe they turn into a different type of elf. Uh, so I think, I think I'll go ahead and say blood elf as well. Okay. The correct answer is trolls. Spoiler! Uh, what? I so thought that was there thing. just to be the obvious, like, no. I purposely threw in several different elves to see if I could throw you off on it. Uh, But no, see, what happened was that many millennia ago, it was the trolls who were the dominant race in the world. There was the great troll empire ruled by different tribes. They eventually kind of splintered off into things. Uh, generally they were ruled by like the Zandalari and you've got other things that uh, a lot of them are featured in uh, the Rasakan's Rumble set. We have like, you know, Gurubashi trolls, Amani, Drakaki, just a whole bunch of these different ones. But there was one particular very small 
isolated uh, group of trolls that were simply called the Dark Trolls because they were nocturnal and stayed beneath the ground all the time and uh, didn't come out until it was night. So, uh, basically, they didn't have any socialization with any other groups of trolls. And uh, because they lived underground, they had like very uh, dark uh, purple, uh, blackish type of skin and everything. Uh, but what happened was that eventually they made their way over to the Well of Eternity, this great big uh, body of water, this lake essentially, uh, in the very middle of the singular continents of Kalimdor that was on Azeroth. It was just all one Pangea-like continent way back at this point. And uh, they settled over near it. The story, so, the story of the Well of Eternity is so cool. And if you haven't listened to our lore of Yasaraj, then you should do that. Because oh, yes. it's so, it like, anyways, sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that is the first in our old God series, if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, but essentially, the end result was there's this vast churning sea that is just filled with potent, arcane, life-giving magic. Like, this well of eternity is the reason that natural sentient life evolved on Azeroth in the first place. You want to know why there's so many animal-based races on Azeroth? Because the magic energies of the Well of Eternity spread across the whole world and actually accelerated the evolution, granting many of these beings sentience. So that's why you have panda people and cow people and fox people and all of that different stuff oh, going on. Very cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, the trolls were actually one of the, the, the first racists that really were able to take off. But because these particular dark trolls settled so close to the Well of Eternity, it really magically quickened up that evolution. It, it, it accelerated and their forms became sleeker. Their intelligence expanded. Uh, they developed a more refined uh, culture and language. And to the extent where they were eventually no longer a type of troll, they were now the very first elves. Uh, they began to worship a new deity, uh, tossing aside the old Loa that uh, trolls used to worship, and instead worshipping Elune, the goddess of the moon, who they believed had a special link with the Well of Eternity. Uh, through communing with Elune and through various Titan artifacts they found, uh, they learned more about the nature of the world in which they lived, even some of the old language that influenced their language. And they uh, took the name Kaldori, which means children of the stars, because, you know, they, they only come out at night and everything, and they have the connection <laughs> with the moon and all that. Uh, smashing pumpkin song. <laughs> <laughs> And so that is essentially how the Night Elves get started. Uh, and I do have the over time. I was going to say, I do have the map here if you want me to pull it up as well. Yeah, yeah. So okay, Sorry about that. The Night Elves uh, build a civilization along the banks of the Well of Eternity. 
and over time it expands. Uh, they start to develop more technology, particularly when they start to explore the depths of the well and really find ways to draw on its magic. They're so the first arcane sorcerers on Azeroth who know how to wield this particular type of magic. Um, now, it just so happened that Cenarius uh, had uh, noticed this burgeoning race and had taken liking to them and tried to show them uh, some cool uh, nature druidy type of stuff, but they weren't very interested. They're like, no, we want this really powerful stuff that's down in the well right here. And they were able to expand out over time uh, until eventually uh, Queen Ajara uh, took the throne, ruled for many centuries, and she is considered to be the most powerful mortal sorcerer in Azeroth's entire history. In fact, it's debatable at this point if she eventually just ceased to actually be mortal. Uh, but uh, she, yeah, very, very powerful. Um, and uh, I'll just say it. She had the biggest, she was the biggest egomaniac in Azeroth's <laughs> history as well. They uh, tell what you, you learned about what it was that she did, one of the first things that she did when she became queen. Oh god, this is hilarious, right? So, so yeah, she, she becomes the queen, right? Uh, this, she, she's super interested in, in the well of eternity and she's got this quest for power and, and like, really interesting character, right? So she's, um, uh, you're ruling for a long time. She's the the lore says that she's born with golden eyes, which is supposed to be super rare and so and considered super beautiful. And so on top of her normal like she's super magical and super beautiful. She's got these glowy golden eyes, and uh, and so um, her, her uh, uh, you know advisor night elf lord guy named Xavius, which we'll get to later, presents her with a jeweled scepter. It, it has magical powers. Uh, he says that hey, as long as you keep this close, um, you, you you'll bring you prosperity and power. And so uh, the first thing that she does, she got this magic scepter, could, like grant your wishes, right? Do whatever. The first thing she does is like, and keep in mind this this is the 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 queen who is like renowned for her beauty. And the first thing that she does is use the magic powers to make herself more beautiful. <laughs> like, okay. Like I said, the ultimate egomaniac. It goes beyond that. Uh, she had uh, a natural charisma, but it was also very magically enhanced. She loved to instill violent passions in people, uh, particularly... Uh, Jealousy was uh, one that she loved to get, uh, where she could make anyone do anything for her favor. I do uh, have a... even get people to fight to the death, and she sometimes she would break it up, and sometimes she's like, "Nah, I like watching them fight to the death over me. It makes me feel good. It strokes my ego well." Wow. Hey, I do have a quick question. And so, mm -hmm. if you're listening to the audio version, you may not know this, but if you see the character in, in you know, this is the new mage skin. Um, when I think of Night Elf, right, I like jumping back just super quick. When I think about Night Elves, like the classic examples are these these main three. So Malfurion, Tyrande, Illidan, like they have purple skin, right? But when I look at the queen, she is blue, quite blue. Is there a reason for that? I, and I just I'm just curious. I don't know the answer. 
I'm aware of that is specifically stated. Uh, I think that it's more along the lines of just uh, limitations in terms of the uh, skin colors that you can pick as a character in the game. They decided to change it up. Maybe, maybe that was one of the ways she made herself more beautiful. She's like, I'm going to make myself blue. No one else is blue. <laughs> and that, that, that's just me guessing, but... Like it could have been. Oh, like she she could have made herself blue. I don't know. Does she have um, a does she have a a blue house and everything <laughs> is is just blue for her? Blue for her. <laughs> well, I mean, looking at the picture of the uh, city that you have, everything does look pretty blue here. So the Lord doesn't say what her favorite color was. Maybe. I'm, I, uh, I I I joke. I joke. But the vanity is is crazy, right? So so they uh. You know, she she's super obsessed, right, with the well of eternity and the power potential, and so she's like, "All right, cool, build my palace on the shore of the well of eternity." Um, and so, and, and then to to you know, so here's a picture of Ashran Gardens from from the new set, uh, with a backdrop of, of the city here, and and then they renamed the city, right? And so, uh, Hi. it was initially named. Alunadora af means the the eye of a loon. So it's it's the goddess that they worship, and like you know, she essentially is why they are successful. Her blessings allowed them to expand as they did, develop as they did. Ashira has such a huge ego that she has the city renamed after her, essentially uh, <laughs> usurping herself to be the deity who is worshipped. And she is worshipped. She is adored by everybody. Like, uh, so here's the thing. She, she has this circle of, like, real snooty aristocrats that keep around her. They all live in the palace and stuff. Some of them, like you mentioned, Xavius. He's the chief advisor. Uh, another one is Lady Vash, who uh, becomes the very first, uh, like, the, the head of the handmaidens. Uh, who uh, wait on the queen. And there's just so many like this. And they become collectively known as the highborn. They uh, tend to focus more on the arcane sorcery aspect, developing all the power. That They're essentially just like what everyone thinks is the worst stereotypes of all the rich and powerful, the politicians, the, the millionaire business people, just all of that. Turn them into elves. This is what you get here. Um, <laughs> And all of the common Calderai hate these people, like, with, with a passion. Um, but it doesn't extend to the queen, because everyone adores Queen Ashara. Uh, which I'm thinking probably she's working some of that magic right there, just the charisma and everything. It's like, no, no, everyone, I command everyone to love me. And it's like, that's just how it works there. Yeah, uh, so so a couple of our characters are our Hearthstone cards from this new set. So if everyone noticed, there's a, a lot of new portraits uh, that are unlockable, particularly through the rewards track. But one of them is a shaman portrait uh, that's called Kaldorai Vash. And uh, yeah, this is the same Lady Vash uh, of the Naga portrait for the shaman. But this is her prior to transforming into Naga. And so... Uh, pretty cool tell you a, a fun little story about vash here uh so among other things she uh she was said to have very unique cat-like eyes uh which you can see in uh, one of the pictures right here and she was obsessed 
with trying to become as much like Ashira as possible, obsessed with becoming her favorite, uh, and was jealous of any potential threat to her standing in position. Like, she worked, she tried to make her hair in the same style as Ashira, dress in the same way as the queen, like, like it's, it's, it's the royal trend-setting type of thing, and she is obsessed with it. Um, so much so that there is this one point in this uh, book set uh, during the War of the Ancients, uh, it's, a, it's a trilogy, where uh, Toronto Whisperwind is captured uh, fighting against Ajara, and we'll get onto that in just a sec. Um, and Ajara and Vosh come down to visit her in prison, and Ajara just kind of uh, playfully asks, hey, you know, you could come work for me and be one of my handmaidens, and Toronto's like, Thanks, but no thanks. I serve a loon above anyone else. And Ajira just walks off, even though she meant that half-jokingly. And even though Taronda turned it down, Vosh is crazy with jealousy and believe, comes to internalize in her head that Taronda is a rival that, and she tries to kill her. Because she's like, I'm not going to have a chance of letting you be more beautiful than me or more favored by the queen than me. It's like, so she, she has a particular hatred for Toronto just because of that. That's wow. how her and Vosh is. Wow. <laughs> but so th this is the, the situation that uh Ashara and the Highborn are living in. There are, of course, the more normal night elves, the Kaldorai, and many of them actually do follow Scenarius and become... Uh, like uh, Malfurion is the first druid and stuff, but you know that's they're the dirty people who live you know way out in the woods and ugh, we're not like a civilized highborn elves. Uh, and, and that that particular ego is what is going to spell the doom of this entire civilization, because one day Xavius uh, it receives a vision from the demon lord Sargeras, who disguises himself as this great, uh, you know, just powerful, benevolent being. And uh, Xavius is like, wow, this is a god that is talking to me here. I'm going to tell the queen. And so he goes to Guidajara, and they do some communing with, uh, with Sargeras and everything. And uh, she is like... This guy is just the match that I want. Like, I am so great. I deserve to be the bride of a god. I'm going to bring Sargeras here, and then he will remake the world into a paradise just for me and my highborn, getting rid of all this scum. Because, like, they're also really racist and consider, like, any creature that's not a high elf to be beneath them. Uh, so, like, you know, get rid of all those lesser races, just have the, the highborn rule everything, and everything will be perfect for us if we bring Sargeras in. Well, it was so uh, funny. She goes, she goes, wow. like, she's like, he's, it, he's the only one, like, worthy of me, right? It's not even like, oh, oh, he's a god, like, I'll, I'll make a good mate for him he's like nah he's he's the only one that can is suitable for, yeah. for me like she's so uh full, like i said you know, it's the ego world's biggest egomaniac yeah yeah and our image right here we currently don't really have images of xavius back when he was just the elf advisor but he later got uh corrupted because of course Sargeras isn't this wonderful benevolent god he is literally a demon lord a fallen titan who has a goal of using his vast demonic army called the burning legion to wipe out all life in the universe 
uh, because he thinks that its inevitable life will become corrupted by old gods and stuff, and he's like, it's better to just do Scorched Universe, maybe life will regrow again, you know, but well, what's important is that none of it gets corrupted. Uh, he, he's a very extreme individual. Uh, and Big yikes. Uh, yeah. And so uh, they didn't even know about Azeroth beforehand. But all of the crazy degrees of arcane magic that the Highborn were doing sent this huge beacon through space, essentially, that led all the demons right to there. Uh, and so, like, they're the reason that... Because uh, if it weren't for that, none of the stuff that happens in uh, Warcraft that was spawned by, you know, events caused by the Burning Legion, including the Horde coming over, because that was a Burning Legion thing trying to take over uh, Azeroth, weaken it up for a demon invasion. If Ashira and the Highborn hadn't been so magic, 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 super magic, all for me, <laughs> none of this would have happened and things would be a whole lot more peaceful. But nope, nope. She's she's she just ruined everything for so, so many millions of people in all the so generations. So what you're saying is this is why we don't have nice things. Yes, <laughs> Queen Ashara is why we can't have nice things. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. No, this is crazy. So they're like, it's it's so funny because it reminds me of Kelfos, where he says like, "Power, my people are addicted to it." And, uh, you know, so they got this well of, e of eternity that's like untapped arcane, like limitless power. Right. And they're like, yeah, let's let's experiment with it. Let's uh, let's do magic, 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 magic. And, and it, uh, you know, Sargeras, like the, the dark titan or whatever is like, oh, yeah, well, let's uh, just uh, maybe turn it into a portal to like bring the burning legion into Azeroth. <laughs> right. Because that's the thing. <laughs> The Burning Legion, like, you know, he can send visions and commune with all of that stuff, but they're, like, really, really far away on a cosmic scale, so the only way to have a realistic invasion is to have a direct portal. Uh, and the only thing that's big enough to get Sargeras himself through is to turn the Well of Eternity itself into a demonic portal. And so, uh, obviously, that there's smaller portals and stuff that are sent through, and Ashara basically invites the Burning Legion over, and this is starts what we call the War of the Ancients, which is a huge story that we do not have time to talk about at all, <laughs> uh, but this is the part where uh, you have Tyrande, Illidan Malfurion, Illidan has his whole first steps to becoming a demon hunter type of thing, uh, and it's it's just a whole big thing that eventually ends with uh, the three of them and their forces uh, finding a way to use the dragon's soul uh, to reverse the well of eternity that sucks all the demons back through the portal and makes it explode. And it is so such a powerful explosion with this huge magically infused well that it shatters the land. The seas all rush in to fill it, and so what was previously one continent is now a whole bunch of separate continents that uh, has a lot of gaps and things that are sinking down beneath it. And this is known as the Sundering. The place where the Well of Eternity was becomes this huge uh, whirlpool that is known as the Maelstrom, uh, which actually ends up also somehow being a portal to the elemental plane of Earth. 
Um, I'm not entirely certain how that works, but uh, I, works. I, if I recall correctly, what happened was uh, it, it, you get into the Deathwing stuff, where mm-hmm. Deathwing, Deathwing uh, is corrupted by Nizoth and uses the the Dragon Soul to like zap Maligos and and is ready to fight the other ones, and like, and then he starts like bursting apart at the seams from all his like corrupt, crazy old god energy, and so he like runs off. And my understanding is that he goes off to hide in, in the elemental plane, right? I think he... Uh, yeah, because he has a special connection with the Earth. It's kind of it, it's a place that can accelerate his healing. And, and so my yeah. understanding is when he came back, he he traveled through it and it broke. It, it's, right. Uh, it, what is it? Broke the world spine? World or pillar. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and so like... Thanks, Deathwing. <laughs> um, yeah. It's crazy how it all ties together. Like, there's so much of it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my goodness. And, you know, and even that, like, you, the stuff you tap into is just, like, we could talk about the War of the, War of the Ancients for hours and hours, and it gets into the, the Illidan origin story. I will say one one quick side note without going too far down a rabbit hole is that if you haven't played it already or... Even if you have, I recommend going back and playing the Demon Hunter Initiate like prologue story, the the PVE content in Hearthstone. Um, after listening to to this or, or reading the the accompanying word doc, because it covers all of this stuff, um, you you can kind of play through it. And so, like, I, I had played through it at the time before reading any of this or talking to you, and it's like, all right, well, okay, this is kind of interesting, but like. It, it uh i don't know it's like it's like when you've watched a, a a movie like before you read the book and then you read the book and then you watch the movie again and you're like oh that's cool i see where they pulled that from oh but they left this out and like mm-hmm. that's that's this here and so now when i when i see this stuff i'm like oh that's what they're talking about oh that's why he was doing this oh that's why he oh he's trying the old double cross um Anyways, this is all, it's like, it's crazy deep and, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. So the maelstrom. Yes. Uh, so, so this is the, the remnants essentially, essentially, right. Of the well of eternity that has now yeah. basically been destroyed. Like it collapses on itself, uh, yeah. after they managed to use the dragon soul to like reverse the portal and suck all the demons out. Uh, and then it just breaks. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. now I've got this like endlessly, like crazy giant whirlpool where the well of eternity used to be with a magic portal down to the elemental uh, 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 kingdom or whatever down up in the middle of it. And yeah, crazy, crazy. And uh, one of the things, you know, cause that being directly next to the banks of the well of eternity, the city of Zinashari is, to getting a lot of collateral damage right here. Uh, it's sinking beneath the waves. Uh, Shira and all of her highborn were all uh, taking refuge in her huge palace. And naturally, that just goes down. Um, she, she actually attempted to hold back the water for a while with her uh, power, but even she can't, you know, hold back the entire ocean indefinitely. Only for and so long, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I I remember reading about it, and she's because she 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 falls back on her like magic scepter, and she's like, "Cool, uh, scepter, make it so that we can all breathe underwater." And it's like 
it's not working. She's like, uh oh, uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> it's that it's that uh that meme that says like I'm a genius. Oh no. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And so they are all sinking down down into unfathomable depths and you know, drowning. There, there's no land anywhere for them to swim to. It's uh, I'm not even certain if any of them would be very good swimmers anyway, being the uh, pampered aristocrats that they were. Uh, and so essentially, like like a lot of the other night elves, the uh, resistance ones who were fighting against them, like Malfurion and Illid and whatnot, they took shelter in a high ground safe area uh, be, that was kind of their, their headquarters, Mount Hygel, a very Druid-centric place. But, uh, you know, not so much all these highborn folks here. And uh, as they are going down, uh, this is the part that we talked about a bit last time, so we're just going to skim over it a bit now. But so where Ajira uh, gets reached out to by a different cosmic entity, uh, not the Lord of the Burning Legion this time, but the old god Nazoth, who is like, hey, you like making deals, huh? I've got a deal for you. Uh, serve me. Get me free out of my prison, and I'll let you live. <laughs> and then she's like, they, "Nah, nah, you'll make me yeah. queen instead." <laughs> yeah, so funny. See, Even they're drowning, right? Like yeah. that's that shows the level of of charisma here. Like mm -hmm. she's dying, and she's like bargaining with the old god. And like the way I read it, it was like, well, Nizoth kind of realizing, like, well. Uh, okay, you know, like if this is going to be my opportunity to escape, I, I guess so. Uh, but it, it kind of shows the, just the level of of charisma and in and and power here, and just uh, yeah, she uh, bargains almost as if she were an equal because, like, you know, Nazoth is in prison, can't really realistically do all that much except talk to her. Well, maybe and, you know. Maybe he yeah. should have like represented himself as like a kraken instead of as a fish with little red eyes, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> a little bit more imposing. He showed her a vast vision of his tentacly self and Black Empire and all that, showing all its glory, and she's like, "Okay, this is cool. I want to rule over this." Uh, <laughs> she wants to rule over everything, um, and so actually, it, it it later turns out like she she's. She's not all that big on serving. She's using Nazoth as a means to an end here. Uh, but essentially, she kind of takes the bargain, and she is transformed into a Naga, as are all of her highborn followers. And this not only transforms them physically, but, you know, infusing them with dark magic, it also means they are, like, you know, kind of just consumed with hate by nature now. Uh, brings out all the darker impulses. Uh, Ajira kind of keeps on morphing, actually. So the, the, this is a bit of an older image that we mm -hmm. have of her, which is more like the typical Naga. That's um, not actually what she looks like, more of just like a, a representation of her. Uh, when mm -hmm. we actually see her, we see her as she is in the card, which is a much more squid-like and like you know the the extra eyes almost like a crown or something uh the lore states that it was like the dark magic was bringing out all of the uh darkness and uh wickedness that was inside her all along that she held uh you know kind of but she she like I said made herself magically beautiful and everything uh this is kind of like that whole thing of showing 
what your your inner self is on the outside. But of course, uh, her most important features were preserved by the power of Blizzard wanting uh, fanboys to enjoy looking at the character. <laughs> so m- much like Sylvanas, like I am undead, but I'm still really pretty. Uh, and so Azara still manages to preserve some of that to an extent. Uh, but yeah, that's at hilarious. Rate, yeah. I don't know that makes sense. And and actually, we've seen, I, I do have a question here, because what we'd seen, is, particularly when we talked about, um, you know, them historically revisiting older expansions, maybe updating the art. And, and so I see here, like, older stuff of uh, Queen Ashara, where she kind of looks like Vosh, um, or, or like, just kind of general Naga, whatever. And then yeah. they've gone back Ashara and done updates. Yeah, Ashara was a very uh, mysterious figure back then, and they were just kind of working with what assets they had. It wasn't until much later that she became, like, the thing that's being, things are being centered around a bit more. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And so, yeah, it, in in the more recent artwork and, and uh, I guess, what do I say, like, CGI scenes or, or mm-hmm. cinematics, uh she's much more detailed and similar to the artwork that you see in the game exactly she's creepy looking though like <laughs> and the artwork up, up on the screen i i i switch it to a different one but the in-game yeah the in-game uh old art is very different than the in-game uh new art and we saw that a lot in, in scholomance and uh, a couple of the others mm-hmm. so yeah things get updated over time as the technology and art assets increase and they can have a better projection visually what they kind of wanted to portray before but and sometimes something might be described one way if you're writing it in a book, but you're kind of lim- it takes time and money to make more game assets, so you, right. you work with what you have. But uh, essentially, uh, Azara and Ternaka uh, work to build a new city on the ruins of Zinajar. They're, they're kind of at the edge here. It's called Nazjatar. So anytime you play a Naga card and they're mentioning like for Nazjatar. That is why uh, it's essentially like a human saying, for Stormwind, you know? Yeah. For gotcha. Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> no, for Gondor. That's the, that's the one. That's great. <laughs> and, and this is a good example, right? So you see the, the picture here of the in-game artwork where it's, this is the sunken city. This is the sunken city of, of Zinashari. Um, and uh, there's a big statue of, of Queen Ashara before she's transformed into a Naga. And so I've got up on the screen a couple of, of card art from the game. Um, they're uh, coincidentally paladin spells, but uh, Im- immortalized in stone and the Garden's Grace both show these like statues uh, of the queen. And you can see one in the game here. And it's just pulled like I like like cop like uh, like almost exact replica of uh, what the in game artwork looks like it is super cool um and so yeah the, this city has literally sunken and so they say the sunken city like yup uh <laughs> you know the Quite literal the well of eternity collapses all the water comes rushing in she makes the deal to save herself and her highborn uh transfer you know transforming them all into nagas and it's like well i guess we're living underwater now uh so and you know the remnants of of her previous city have you know now sunk but they want to rebuild and so uh right. new city um uh yeah najatar right so 
Right. Now, interestingly, there are uh, not every highborn was turned to an app because some of them died straight out. And so actually the ruins of Zinashari are haunted by highborn ghosts who don't realize they've died and are living just like it's still back in the Empire. Just like, I heard there's trouble, but uh, Azar will save us. I'm certain of it. Oh, that's it's funny. Like, it actually, when the War of the Agents started... Lots of most people did had no idea that Ashara was behind it. They thought it was all those high board aristocrats that she had been captured or was held hostage, and so they like go to try to rescue the queen. She's like, "Oh no, I I I caused all this." <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, and the other yeah. piece, the other piece that I read, and and we don't get into it because the War of the Ancients is just too big. But like, Xavius uh, is partially responsible for kidnapping of Taronda. Malfurion goes after him. Malfurion kills Xavius. Who is then like re reborn as a satyr, which is the you know the artwork that we see of him yep, in, in Hearthstone. Uh, a, a night elf that is turned into a demon, essentially. It's like yeah, demon demon goat type of type of mm -hmm. deal there. And then, and then, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh oh, but when when Xavius uh, comes back and he's interacting with the Highborn, then then he's all telling them like. Hey, uh, I can make you into a satyr also. And then some of them are saying, oh, that's cool. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And then the really funny part is the way the Balfurian defeats him a second time is by turning him into a tree. What? Oh, that's funny. I did not know that part. That's yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. And that's if we ever have an extensive talk about like the the Emerald Dream and Nightmare, then he has a big part to play in all of that. But that is far beyond anything we're discussing right now. Oh, yeah. uh, so, uh, back to our main topic at hand. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're building Nasutar, and some of them are actually like, hey, you know, we could rebuild the, the Zinajari ruins, uh, you know, incorporate it here, but we, we'd have to either drive away those ghosts or get them to submit to Ajira, and they're tossing this around, and for whatever reason, Ajira's like, nope, leave that place alone. I don't want you messing with the ghosts. So, Maybe she has some degree of respect for it. Maybe she just doesn't want the bother. Uh, who knows? Like, it's hard to believe that Queen Ajira having any sort of compassion or respect for anyone. But eh, it's theoretically possible, I suppose. I can maybe see, it's a, though, Maybe she considers it a museum piece. In, in the lore, like, but there was an aspect when they were above the land where she was like, okay, you know, she's she's got her kingdom here and she's making the deal with the trolls to like, all right. You know, you you guys don't bug my people, and I'll leave you alone. But then it, it kind of went into, you know, there's this one spot up in the mountain or whatever that she didn't want to touch, where the wild gods live. And she's like, yeah, you know what? Let's just not go there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, that's a I don't want to I don't want to get into it. That's that's a whole uh, big thing, and and I don't want to I don't want to open that, you know, can of worms. Uh, not that she'd admit that she couldn't handle it, but like, right, you know, and then this I, is beneath me. <laughs> and so, you know, part partially makes me wonder, like, you know, pish posh, you know, like, let it be. I don't want to touch it. It's beneath <laughs> me uh, where it's like, oh, you know, maybe I, I let's not let's not go interfere with the ghosts. Uh, right. That's hilarious. And uh, so basically the Naka want because, you know, they still have that highborn sense of entitlement about things. And now, you know, even all of their dark emotions are further, you know, the dark magic transformation to Naga and all that. They're basically like, we deserve to rule all that surface world, too. But, like, it's 
kind of unrealistic for us to try to just go conquer everything right now. So we bide our time and conquer the waves underneath where no one will notice and build our forces that one day our time will come and we shall rule all the world again. Uh, that's basically so for, for about those 10,000 years and everything, no one encounters Naga on the surface. Uh, then they they start to become a little prevalent occasionally. There's uh, some that pop up here and there. Um, actually, one of the uh, first times that Naga entered in the lore was in Warcraft 3. Uh, in the story where uh, Thrall first meets Vulcan and the trolls, they are actually dealing with a big problem where they're in a war with Murlocs who are worshipping a Naga sea witch. Uh, so, like, as far back as that, uh, Naga were starting to become a little bit of a problem, but, uh, there wasn't it really anything major until, uh, a little bit later. And speaking of which, what, uh, what, what's our next slide here? Oh, I think we have a song, actually. Oh, yeah, yep, it's in <laughs> time. Yeah, so this is a good, this is a good opportunity to, uh, to take a, a brief intermission here uh, as we have a very fun song from Goliath. So give me one second here uh, to, to, to pull it up. It's so good. It's, it's great. I just was looking for a, a picture to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, looking for a, a picture to, to put here as well. Hold on. It'll be worth it, I promise. <laughs> All right. Holding on intensifies. Oh, yes, I found it. Excellent. This is the part where I say I'll edit it out in post and then never do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a treat. Here we go. Ladies and gentle dwarves. The elves ruled a great empire on banks of a magic lake. They reached foreign fun and power, but that was a big mistake. The land they were on was sundered, blown up in an ancient war. The city of Zinashari, it sunk to the ocean floor. Zinashari is under the sea. Ruled by the Naga, Kamira saga of sunken city. They built the city Nashatar for their queen superstar, marking the era of Queen Ajira under the sea. Down here in the darkest ocean, sunk down in abyssal rock, the whispers of old gods linger, the influence of Mizoth. He transformed the elves to Naga to serve and survive the sea. The plot to destroy his chains now, finding ways to set him free. Oh, under the sea, in Zinashari, the beasts are colossal, some ancient as fossils. Can you believe? There's great treasures, some alleged. Send down the salvage crew to dredge. We get to Duncan to find what's been sunken under the sea. In Zinishari, Murlocs be swarm and they come without warning on Naga's decree. Even old Hooktusk pirate crew arrive to cause her a blue. Servants of Grawl, they come here to brawl in Zinishari. In 
neck is detected to keep through the deep and uproot the loot from century sleep. The pension as well, the curses they burst, the faceness will lead your soul. The tridents of tyrants, the sharks make their mark. The city is pretty because of the dark. Come down in the sub and join in the club, you just can't resist its pull. Yeah, under the sea, in Sinishari, are the Cohen resisting, but Queen is insisting that they bow the knee. Neptune is Lord of Waves, but Naga wants him below the way for complete domination of sea population from Sinishari. The beauty's hypnotic, down in aquatic, in Sinishari. The whole population is drawn to mutation Skillful with magic, the story is tragic You'll love when you see it, I guarantee it And see it in Shari Oh, well done! Oh my! Thank you! That, well played! That That is, like, I'm speechless like that that you you continue to top yourself time and time again like not only is it catchy but the words like are spot on and it and it all rhymes and he did the voice like oh my god i just want to play it again i uh for, for those of you listening we will put it up on the website this weekend so if you want to listen to it or download it and uh this one we'll have to put up on youtube goliath if you if if uh if that's Absolutely. cool with you so that's um well I initially tried done. singing at an even thicker Sebastian accent, but I couldn't understand the words when I played it back, so I had to be a little <laughs> clearer, but I'm glad it still came through. Oh <laughs> my goodness. It's so good. I, I just I'm 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 speechless. I don't know how you Rhyming dictionaries are my friend online. I oh, but, yeah. but but like it all fit the theme. Like mm, you're incredible. Yeah. You're incredible, my friend. I I'm I'm <laughs> you have outdone yourself once again. Very impressed. Well All played. right. So returning to our story here, where did we leave off? So we have the sunken city and they're building Najatar, but we have some uh, some other kind of creatures and, and, and minions and characters who are also living down there. And so I think, uh, you know, I have a quick here note in, in, in my lore notes about the Naga Sea Witch and how she uh, is, is um, Queen Ajari is training her minions if you will the, the naga sea witches how to wield her her scepter that we talked about earlier just kind of interesting because naga sea witch is a card um but but then getting into it i think the next slide we have is for uh priestess Val valish and then the uh the hunter legendary as well um uh raj um uh, oh no, no 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 i'm sorry we're gonna talk about illidan first illidan vash and, right. and lady I thought that we were gonna talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I a uh, little bit out of order here. So let's jump into uh, we we we've got our demon hunter legendary here, Lady Sitherno, and then how she interacts with uh, our our good friend Illidan and Lady Vosh. Right. So um, returning to Illidan again, he is a story that we do not at all have time to cover it in its <laughs> entirely. But uh, essentially, uh, at this point in the story, Illidan has 
been offered a little deal by uh, the demon kill Jaden. He's like, okay, you've you've crossed the the double le the burning legion in the past. You've double crossed this before, but but I'm gonna give you another chance here because see, there's this lich king fella who's gotten out of control, and I want you to go destroy him. And if you can do that, then. I won't torture you for eternity. What do you say, huh? Uh, and Illidan is just like, um, of course, of course, I graciously accept your offer, Master. <laughs> but he's really like, oh, he's such a sucker. This is an opportunity for me to learn more Burning Legion secrets so I can ultimately destroy them. He was, uh, he was like, uh, demons. Mm. Demons. Demons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, so in order to accomplish that whole destroy the Lich King thing, uh, he needed allies. And so what, he just kind of cast this general look for help spell over the sea of some sort. Remember, Illidan is a very powerful arcane sorcerer himself. Uh, at this point, he... Uh, he, he can still do that in addition to all of his fell magic and everything after becoming a demon hunter. So uh, basically, just kind of like ends up summoning a lot of Naga from the sea, uh, led by Lady Vash. And uh, the interesting thing here is that uh, they decide to help him uh, not because, oh, you're so powerful, we respect that, and not because... Oh, you know, because we, we have a shared ancestor or anything. No, it's because the old gods want them to help Illidan. Mm. The old gods really like when there's war and conflict in the world. It helps to kind of fuel them, get them to be able to break the chains a bit more. And so they want Illidan to succeed in fueling his war. Uh, and if he becomes out of hand, they'll just order the Naga to kill him. And that won't be a problem as far as the old gods are concerned. Although that never does happen. Um, this ba basically, Bosch ends up being uh, rel relatively loyal, as far as you can be under those circumstances, <laughs> and is actually the one who ends up recruiting uh, Kelthas Sunstrider to join Illidan as well. There's this thing where... He uh, who Kel'thas... shall not... <laughs> he who yeah. shall not be named on this wild podcast. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know his <laughs> car has made a lot of people mad, but as a character, he's far more interesting than that. Uh, it really is. Uh, what happens is that he, at this point, the high elves, because uh, they aren't blood elves yet, they're high elves at this point, who coincidentally are actually the descendants from the highborn who managed to not get uh, killed or turned into Naga. So these are the ones who are a bit more, you know, the arcane-focused, and most of the ones who were still the hippie druid stuff, they'd stayed and, you know, are the night elves and everything. And that's a whole other story about how they got separated like that. But uh, the high elves are actually with the alliance at this point, uh, but they are under the... Uh, lead the leadership of a very racist and abusive and incompetent human general named Garethos, uh, who is just like, yeah, you elves, I don't like you. Just go and handle this thing that's way too tough for you to handle on your own and do it on your own. Uh, and then while the high elves are having some trouble with that, a lady Vash just comes up and like, hey, would you like some help? And Kalthos is all... Yeah, I guess we don't really have much of a choice here. And so they, you know, deal with whatever threat they were fighting. And then uh, Yurithos comes over and he's like, Yeah, you're dealing with Naga. I 
you couldn't be trusted, I'm gonna lock you up. And so all of that is essentially like Vosh breaks him out and is like, hey, wanna come and work for my boss instead? It's a lot better deal than what you're getting here. And so she and the Naga are instrumental in bringing the elves over to Illidan's side and that will eventually play a role in the uh, Blood Elves eventually joining the Horde instead of the Alliance. So that's, the Naga have a bit of a part to play in that whole faction swap thing as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. But uh, eventually, uh, Lady Vosh gets killed in the Burning Crusade expansion when uh, the Adventures of Azeroth, mistakenly thinking that Illidan is, I mean, he is a brutal tyrant of Outland, but, but it's all with the purpose of defeating the Burning Legion. He just doesn't want anyone to know because he doesn't want the Legion to find out in case there are spies. Uh, but that means that, like, Everybody hates him, and they think that he's just the evil villain, so they're going after him. And part of that is kicking out all his lieutenants, and so uh, Lady Vash ends up getting killed in the process. But there's other uh, Naga who are still part of the Illidari, which is the general name for his followers. And our Demon Hunter legendary is one of them. Uh, she is the leader of the Coilscar uh tribe nagar broken into lots and lots of different tribes all with different snaky sounding names uh and so uh she is the one who is kind of the the leader of that tribe helping the uh, illidan's forces uh, around the time of the burning legion's third invasion which takes part in world of warcraft's uh, legion expansion so if you are playing a demon hunter you actually get to have her as a follower and can send her out on missions or be your bodyguard and help you fight stuff in the world so i think that's uh it's they were going to pick a, a naga and vash was already used as a legendary this was a really good choice for them to have for a demon hunter legendary here yeah that's that's super cool i mean i love it when they when they pull you know, uh, cards from, from the game. Now, didn't you say that uh, she was also instrumental in bringing over another one of our Hearthstone Legendary cards? Kane, uh, 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 right? Was it... Uh... Oh, Kane Sunfury, yes. Kane yes. Sunfury is actually uh, one of the characters uh, who is... Uh, working with you in that very same thing. Like I said, if you're playing a demon hunter, uh, what your starting zone is actually where you're working with Kane and a few of your other demon hunter companions who happen to be a lot of the existing demon hunter legendaries because kind of the only existing pool of demon hunters they have to create legendary cards with because they haven't been around as all the yeah. as long as all the other classes. Uh, so like. Um, we actually, actually pretty much just all of them, really. If there's a, a Demon Hunter legendary, aside from Star Student Serena, uh, and it's like a, it's, it's a Night Elf or a Blood Elf, it's probably one of these characters you're working with. And uh, Kane gives some orders for you to deliver to all your different uh, factions that are coming in, which include the Naga, includes uh, like some uh, Ash Tongue Broken from Outland, uh, includes uh, some demons that are actually working for your side. And uh, so, yeah, there's a bit of a... Uh, uh, he, he's one of the commanders who has the right to order this Naga around, actually. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm cool with all of this. Um, I guess, presumably, she is probably one that maybe isn't listening to Ajiro the Old Gods anymore uh, because uh, seems to have some genuine loyalty. Like I said, she becomes your follower and stuff. So uh, there are different Naga. Like I said, they, there are many different tribes, and some of them decide to not follow Ajiro anymore. So maybe they... Uh, 
just kind of saw through egotism or uh, realized that they didn't want all the soul god corruption or something. It's like there's one group of Naga that decided to follow the Burning Legion because they could offer more power than Ajira could. There's another one that actually worshipped Neptalon for a while and got along peacefully with a tribe of Murlocs for a bit. And, like, th there <laughs> are outliers. Most Naga are really nasty, though. <laughs> sorry. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Uh, that's about everything to cover about uh, this legendary right here. Okay, so now are the other two. So, so the Priestess of Alish and then Raj. Uh, right. So there's not much to talk about these guys, but uh, they do have tiny little bits of story or, or things that they've done at least. So um, Valish here is uh, a Naga Sea Witch who is... Um, Let's see, she is the leader of the Slitherblade tribe. Like I said, they're all, like, very... They really leaned into the snake thing uh, <laughs> yeah. for naming themselves. By pure coincidence, I am sure. Uh, and uh, she is essentially just the, the leader of a uh, strike team that is attacking a location known as Desolus. Uh, for the purpose of uh, uncovering some uh, ancient tablets or inscriptions that are relating to Neptalon, which is going to play a part, a role in Ashira's plan to eventually overthrow Neptalon, who is the elemental lord of water, because she wants to be the sole ruler of all the seas. Like, you know, get, get the, this guy out of here. Obviously, I deserve to rule over all the oceans, not a literal cosmic being elemental lord who is here millions of thousands of years before I even existed. No, I deserve to control all the seas. Uh, and that's going to play a bit more later, but essentially this lady, this priest legendary is essentially the character who is, uh, trying to get something that will help with that. And she eventually gets, uh, killed by a water elemental, uh, lieutenant of Neptalons. Actually, the quest chain that you go through, uh, where you disguise yourself and pretend to be one of her lieutenants, and she refers to you as Little Minnow all the time. Yes, and actually, oh. I, I have a note there, because I, I, I saw that when I looked into it, and if you didn't bring it up, I was going to. So, yeah, the note here is that she has the habit of calling those under her command, Little Minnow. Uh, but get this, when you play her, listen to this. Tell me, Minnow, have you done as I asked? Hey... Could you, do you guys hear that? Could you hear that on the... Yeah. On the, yeah. There you go. So she says... Have you done as I asked? But she says, tell me, Minnow. So she's... It, like, there's the direct uh, correlation right there. It's so great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that is uh, her little story, such as it is. And then our other fellow here is our uh, hunter legendary, whose name is Roz Nazjan. And uh, he is essentially just the um, the leader, actually the, the emperor of an area way up in Northrend, actually, uh, called the Borean Tundra, uh, called Riplash, that uh, is kind of the guardian of this uh, leviathan creature that Ajara prison imprisoned long ago, uh, probably because he was a nuisance or maybe 
he didn't eat with the right fork at a banquet or something. <laughs> like, who knows why she imprisoned thing? It could be a serious reason. It could be a trivial one for all we know. Well, and, but, and the, the, the lore story of her, right. And we didn't get into it too much, but that she had all this power, right. Over all of the, with her magical abilities, but also her, um, uh, her, her scepter and some of this other stuff, but she could control all of the different, the sea and the water and the creatures. And that she was, cruel as well to the point where she was having them um you know do things to her bidding and there was one part of the story where it talks about she had enslaved a, a sea giant and was essentially making it perform tricks for the highborn as like you know because she's mean it's she's like sitting here making this sea giant perform like a like she in a was circus always that and way. Like, she, she always took delight in controlling people against their will and so there you've got this leviathan right or a they, it's a kraken uh that uh she imprisons you know it's been in prison for 500 years and i imagine it was like you know either it made her mad or uh, she was having a difficult time with it or whatever it is. And it's like, be gone, be gone. Uh, so interesting there. Yeah. Interesting there for sure. And I, it was kind of funny because uh, I mean, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but the colossal minions here, the the majority of them anyhow are Hearthstone unique, not all of them, but, but the majority of them, at least that I can tell. Um, and I thought like the, the hunter, colossal minion is the the hydra loon or something like that right and i was like why hydralodon. didn't they hydralodon thank you uh and i was like when i was looking into this um it was like they have a uh kraken leviathan thing called levi leviroth however you pronounce that that is what was imprisoned by raj Najan or however you say his name and there's this whole story here where like there's a, a mission in the game uh, where you have to get the trident of, of um, Najan to slay the Leviathan thing. I was like, that would have been a really cool uh, colossal minion, but whatever. Agreed. Agreed. And there's, there's uh, one or two more that will mention that I think could have made great colossal minions. I do have one. Uh, qu can I ask one question though, before we move on? Cause I know sure. this guy's like very, very barely related to our story, but, uh, because in the game, right? So here's my, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, I've got Rajneshan, Emperor of Riplash uh, Naga in the ruins, which are up in the snowy area of Northrend, which is kind of weird. Orient Tundra, I believe, is the specific region. Yes. Yeah, Northrend is the big northern frozen continent. Uh, Borean Tundra, yes. So he was the emperor when Leviroth was imprisoned. Queen Ajara blessed his trident so that it would slay the beast should it ever escape. And so as the player, um, you have this task or this mission called the emissary where you have to basically get his trident, the trident of Najan and then use it to go slay the Leviroth. And so it was like, I, so there's a card in the game here called the Ajaran trident. And I was like, why, why is it a warrior card? Like could have been a, good hunter because card. it's a weapon and they like uh you know warriors to have the weapon synergy but, uh, <laughs> i mean the trident is used by pretty much any naga uh it's true you know, there so it's not necessarily a specific trident though that could have made a cool legendary weapon i thought they i thought they missed a 
that that could have been a fun one. It doesn't matter. Anyways, sorry. I I, I just oh. thought it was interesting. Fuel for custom card contests. Hey, uh, there we uh, go. There it is. And so interesting uh, to have just one last connection with this guy before we move on is the reason that uh, you know this the beast got free and everything actually all the naga. They actually are kind of already being slaughtered by the time that you as the player get there uh, by the Cavaldir, who uh, we have, uh, they're kind of like these, uh, you know, undead uh, Viking type of people who are in Northrend, and we have a few cards of them, like uh, the injured Cavaldir is like, I'll take you down with me. Uh, there's the, uh, the Mistweaver, who's the, that legendary card back from, uh, Grand Tournament, who does the bit of the buff to everything that's the, in your hand. The Tide Caller or something like that, right? I think it's Mistweaver. I don't know. It's, it's not really it's, it's the a, legendary No, 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 no. you're right, you're right, you're right. It's the, uh... You cannot stop the Cavaldir! The Mist Caller, is that it? Mist Caller, that's it, yeah. Okay, he... it was a mix. You said Tide Caller, I said Mistweaver, it's Tide Caller. Uh... But yeah, so the, there's a fun little connection uh, between with uh, another group of cards that uh, this character has as well. How fun. Okay. Oh, the artwork is so cool, too. I never realized. Yeah, okay. The Mist Caller. Yeah, very cool. And the and the Injured Cavaldir, I'll never forget. We used to use that card yeah. in, uh, well, a long time ago. <laughs> it's... Back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. That was really good. Thank uh, you. <laughs> right? That's great. All right. So so then we, we kind of move on here. There is a, a raid uh of the Eternal Palace, which I guess uh, you know well, I we're I, not getting to that quite yet. Okay, well yeah, where where are we now? Well, right now we are getting up to what happens in the cataclysm. Uh because oh, yes. this yeah. Yeah, so this is a part right here where uh, that whole wanting to get rid of Neptalon thing, that uh, plays a much larger role here. So, uh, Queen Ajara sends her lieutenant, Lady Nazjar, who some Hearthstone players may remember as a boss that you fight in the League of Explorers solo adventure uh, when you are trying to get the Pearl of the Tides with the help of the first time you meet Sir Finley Merkleton, who... You know, also made an appearance in this set, so that's neat. Okay. Uh, yeah, he. It's funny he's here. He he has a bad history with nagas. They tried to cook him in soup, if you recall. Uh, you, that's that. literally first meets Sir Finley in the uh, adventure. He's like, "Hey, guys, seem to be in a predicament. Can you help me out to this soup pot?" Uh, <laughs> it's a, it feels like such a, a like a throwback to like Cookie the Cook or something, but that's wonderful. I like that. Uh, so at any rate, uh, Nastar, they have this uh, whole plan of being able to uh, get rid of Neptalon, and uh, this is partially on Ashira's own uh, initiative because she wants to rule the waves, but also is uh, Nazoth is ordering her to do it as punishment for Neptalon refusing to obey his call like uh, right in the rose and Alec here were like, yeah, we'll help you sow destruction and bring about the end of all things. And Neptalon is like, nah, nah, I, I got over that long ago, man. This is not, not my thing anymore. I've moved <laughs> on. Uh, and uh, Nazoth is like, you don't do that. You do not say no to me. Uh, and so Azira, and then the idea is also that once Azira controls the waves, that 
it will separate all the other continents because sea travel will no longer be possible because they'll just, you know, send storms and waves to wreck everything and stuff. And so it'll isolate and make all of the other uh, forces that are fighting against Deathwing and the Cataclysm and all that much easier to pick off. Um, but it doesn't quite work out because, of course, we, the player characters, are able to thwart everything even though there is this giant kraken Ozumet, who Lady Nazdar uses, that is literally powerful enough to kidnap Neptalon wow. and leave his... Yeah, so this, I think, would have made an excellent Colossal Minion as well. It is practically a dungeon boss. Um, it has very clear, high power levels, considered to be like the father of krakens or whatnot. And... I don't know, I think it would make a good card. Uh, again, maybe maybe mini set, who knows? But uh, if not, I think that I'd like to see someone make a fan card of it with oh a colossal style. Goodness, the artwork is amazing so cool. on the uh, the uh, the WoW wiki. Like, holy moly! <laughs> it's rad. I'm gonna throw it up on the screen real quick. It's too cool not to. <laughs> it's it's uh, if if this would make a this would make an incredible. Um, Colossus. It, this would make a great colossal minion in the in the mini set or something like that. Like this is so cool. Wow. Yeah. And it's like I I you have to think like it's hard sometimes I think to have a frame of reference for the elemental lords if you haven't played WoW. Um, and I you know I haven't but my brother did. But like when you see. Uh, like Ragnaros or something, and then you see the, like your little heroes standing next to him. Like Ragnaros is huge, and your little heroes down here, right? And so, if this thing is big enough to kidnap Neptalon, which is an elemental lord, like it's colossal. <laughs> so exactly, colossal plus six. <laughs> uh, one can only hope. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the things that we've been holding out for. Uh, mm -hmm. Was was a neutral colossal number one, and number two a colossal that took up the entire board. So uh, yeah, colossal plus six. Please let it be. Yeah, that that would be really cool. Um, yeah, at any rate, that is kind of the big thing that happens, where it's essentially uh, Shara is attempting through her forces to have a literal hostile takeover of the actual elemental plane of water called the Abyssal Maw, and, you know, <laughs> uh, get rid of Neptalon even from his own seat of power, like, like ultimate power move right there, that you, you, you think you can do that. Uh, so that is kind of the extent that we see uh, the Naka pop up majorly for a while. There, here and there, uh, it's always, uh, uh, Pashara has some plan going, and they're causing some problems on coastal areas for a while, but a lot of it is, like, up here's some Naga Easter eggs to remind you that they're a thing, and uh, kind of hinting that there's something bigger to come. There is something bigger to come, because uh, Ajara, again, is kind of the... Uh, partially her own initiative, partially the whole Nazar thing, is uh, has this big plan in play regarding the island nation of Kul'Tiris. 
And uh, she also makes a pact with a uh, a corrupt troll priest named Azul on the island of Zulazar to uh, help him to get to release Gahoon, the kind of manufactured old god. Uh, so she kind of has a little part to play in that, not a super major thing. Her main thing is on Kul Tiras, which I will remind you is Jaina's hometown. Uh, her dad was the, uh, the admiral of Kulturis, and after he died, uh, her mom took over, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a whole thing. This is in Warcraft's Battle for Azeroth expansion, where all this happens. And uh, there's basically, Kulturis is ruled by a bunch of different houses, and you have to go and solve their problems to unite the nations so that they'll be good allies if you're playing Alliance and whatnot. Uh, but in the region of uh, Stormsong Valley, ruled by Lord Stormsong, uh, which is a really cool name, uh, and a bunch of uh, special mystical people called Tide Sages that Kulteris has that have a special connection with the waves, and they bless all the ships in the Kulteran Navy, because that's what Kulteris is really known for. It has an amazing navy, a great fleet. But the fleet has been missing for quite some time because, as it turns out, Queen Ajira corrupted Lord Stormsong, corrupted the time sa to Tide Sages, and helped to turn them into these old god minions called the Kathir, which we mentioned a bit in our Nazoth episode. Yep. Uh, and she's also trapped the entire Kul Tiran fleet inside this endless storm that they can't get out of uh, and uh, plans to be able to have the fleet for herself. I'm not sure exactly. She probably wants to corrupt them in some fashion, add them to be powerful naval forces for her own ends, uh, using like Tidesade magic and all that. But uh, it doesn't work out entirely because, once again, player characters are able to stop Lord Stormsong and uh, end that corruption there. But um, there's another character that has a hand in all of this, too, is working with Queen Ajara. Her name is Lady Priscilla Ashvane. And, well, Nate, you said that you were looking into her a bit. She's quite the character. Tell the us what you know. Yeah, the story here is interesting. It's interesting. So... Uh, so this gets back into Janus, Janus family, right? Like you said, um, so, uh, Janus dad is Admiral Dalen Proudmore. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Dalen. And, and so this, this gal's name is, uh, Lady Priscilla Ashvane. She lost her husband at Theramore the same time as Lord Admiral Dalen Proudmore's death. And so she, she hates Jaina because of that. Like she's got this ax to grind. Um, and so... When when Jaina comes back to um, Kulturaz, like and and Pristilla sees sees her, she's like, oh no no, and so she goes to Jaina's mom, right, Lord Admiral Catherine Proudmore, and say, oh she's a traitor, she's a traitor, but it's like it's Jaina's mom, right? I mean, I, <laughs> and so uh, what's going on behind the scenes is 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 Priscilla's plan here is to. Uh, usurp the uh, I, whatever you call it rulership say uh, throne. of throne you know of, of Kulturas um, and, and so you know meanwhile I guess she I, I don't know the whole history right but she's a uh, mm, her she's the leader of her own house uh, house Ashvane and they deal they have their own trading company the Ashvane trading company right, which is right. 
basically the incarnation of all the abusive factory workers from like Charles Dickens novels. Uh, <laughs> uh, you like, there's literally a quest where you need to rescue kids from child labor that she's oh putting them through, uh, and so, she's dealing in like illegal weapons, weapons trading. Right? Yes. yes, and she has. Uh, like a huge prison that she, uh, you know, puts Jaina and the player character in and you have to escape and everything. It's like, yeah, so she, she's in a lot of corrupted stuff. She She's providing Azurite weapons to the Ironside Raiders, who are pirates, mm -hmm. uh, yep. that, that are then going to be used to, then this pirate horde is going to attack the uh, the Proud Moors and the idea is to overthrow Kul Taras. Uh, and so the player character like confronts her and she uses a smoke screen or whatever and escapes into the sea. Um, and then returns later with a, a fleet of the Iron Tide Raiders, uh, these pirates, to to confront Jaina. And as I understand it, then then the idea is that you know Jaina's mom. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, uh, you can explain it probably better than me. But Jaina's mom gives her the pendant of her father, which used to summon the Cold Turin, the Coltron fleet back, right. who, who then confronts Priscilla, right? Right. So I'm, I'm sure I'm like greatly simplifying that, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, here's the evidence that Ashvane was already working with Ashara because she brings not only this pirate fleet, she has a kraken at her side that you need to fight as the final boss in a dungeon. Uh, which I might say it was a particularly annoying and difficult fight at hired levels, especially with people who, uh, like had never done it before. So it was, uh, it, it felt like something that you're really glad when you, you managed to fight it off. And then the cutscene takes over of, uh, Jaina, uh, who basically, uh, her mom gives her the pennant and, uh, says, you're Lord Admiral now, I forgive you. And uh, Jaina is able to use her magic and the power of the pendant, which, you know, in the hands of the proper uh, Lord Admiral can call the fleet home. And she's able to summon the fleet out of that storm that Queen Ajara had them trapped in. And uh, they are able to uh, intimidate, uh, make all the pirates surrender. Um and uh, Ashvane is locked up, only to be broken out by the Horde later on, on orders from Lady Sylvanas Windrunner, who's war chief at the time, and who is also working with Queen Ajira. Uh, it's this whole big conspiracy thing going on here, and they're all using each other. But essentially, um, we uh, fast forward, right? Because we mm -hmm. see her as a legendary minion in this set, and she looks uh, a, a little bit different. Yeah, uh, Queen Ashara did a little cosmetic surgery on her. Uh, a little, a little magic infusion, which she's like, I want more power! She's like, okay, here's the power and everything that comes with it. Uh, and then she becomes a raid boss that you fight later on. Uh, so yeah, she, she was, uh, basically also, the reason she was down with the Naga is after she got broken out. Uh, she was teaching them how to turn uh, the powerful material Azerite, which is uh, the literal blood of Azeroth, the very powerful stuff, into weapons in order to make the Naga armies even more powerful. So she's like teaching them manufacturing and uh, how to use the Azerite weapons and everything. No, uh, no, it's basically no, being a general. You can't do that. <laughs> bad, <Yeah>. bad, bad, bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but then she gets taken out in a raid. So that's that's the end of her story right there. But uh, yeah, she was she was just a bunch of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, and then before we get into our legendary minions here, right? We are gonna uh, sidestep to. Um, go back to the treasures of Queen Ajara. So when you play the card, uh, you have the possibility to pick one of four treasures, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have those here, and I believe uh, there is a little bit of story about each of them. That's correct. These are all actual special magical items that have a connection to Queen Ajira in the story uh, throughout actually many different expansions, some more significant than others. Uh, so we'll get started here uh, with the uh, slightly lesser ones. Ring of Tides is a ring that we don't know all that much about, but apparently it has incredible power from the name. It probably indicates that power over tides or something to do with helping to boost control over the water. Uh, this is actually something that uh, this, there's this Tiger Loa named Kimball who uh, lives on Zandalar. You know, again, Loa is uh, an animal spirit, a wild god, actually, uh, who, you know, we know that uh, Quindashira doesn't really get along with uh, all those wild gods. Uh, but uh, so he actually took, fought a Naga general and took this ring as a trophy uh, from him centuries ago. And now there's these Naga that are uh, attacking the uh, temple where uh, the Tiger Loa Kimball is uh, inside. And also these Tortolan who are attempting to uh, just kind of live on the area peacefully, but they're being upset by these raids. And so there's a quest line where you need to uh, find the ring, which is uh, in, hidden inside a statue of the Loa, and uh, pass the test to prove that you are worthy, and then you go and have an audience with him. And essentially, you have to work him out of his depression, because he is basically like, Naga killed all of my followers a long time ago, and I don't trust myself to be able to protect any new followers, so no, I'm afraid I can't protect you here. Uh, and so basically, you are like, no, no, come on, we'll, uh, we'll get rid of these Naga, and we'll avenge them, and then you can accept these Tortolan as your new uh, worshippers, and you'll all have a symbiotic relationship here. And so the Ring of Tides is essentially just all wrapped up in that quest line, and the Naga want it, but you're able to largely keep it away from them. Again, its power is rather unspecified, but it is an actual object uh, that's in the game that has a connection with them. Uh, next, we have the Horn of Ancients, which from a card perspective is my favorite one for the simple reason that Colossal Minions are at this point still the new exciting thing and I love just like, ooh, I get one that wasn't even necessarily for my class or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, Horn of the Ancients is not a weapon of Naga make, but it's rather connected to this quest line that is involved the Naga working with the Twilight's Hammer to uh, unearth and resurrect this huge faceless minion uh, called Sogoth. Uh, actually, I think it might be. Sogoth the, the Slitherer. Yeah. Yes, the same that we have a legendary card of. Uh, and so basically the Twilight's Hammer cult 
who, you know, they're the crazy old god worshippers, uh, they are attempting to dig up this old uh, god minion and uh, bring it back to life. And it took uh, 12 stone giants uh, to be able to take this thing out the first time. And uh, in the quest line, it's like, yeah, we don't have 12 stone giants to be able to take it out again, but uh, we do have all of the ancients here, uh, which if you remember cards like Ancients of Lore, uh, with who are the druids, they are these um, uh, tree-like uh, nature spirits who have a special connection with druids and such, and uh, they are very strong, and so the uh, quest line says, hey, uh, take this uh, Horn of the Ancients, and you'll be able to awaken the really powerful ones that can take out Sogoth. Uh, problem is that when you go to find the guy who has the horn, he's been killed by Naga, because they're trying to make sure that you don't get it so that uh, no one can stop Sogoth. And so you go and you kill some Naga, and you get the horn back, and then you are able to awaken all the ancients and uh, kill Sagath again once and for all. And so that's the story with that one right there. Uh, so again, those are both more uh, quest line item things, but still really cool they're included. The other two, however, are really big and significant. Uh, which one do you guys want to talk about first, uh, Naifu or the Tidestone? <laughs> well, we talked about the Naifu a little bit in our last lore episode with, with Nazoth a little bit. Um, and so the little bit that I recall was that essentially it's like a, a, sent, a sentient uh, knife with, a, with like a, I don't know, it's, it, it uh, had a very sensual voice, right? And it, it wanted to escape uh, the, the knife and, and eventually does, right? Yeah, so uh, essentially, uh, Zalatap, that's her actual name, Naifu is an internet nickname, uh, just to <laughs> clarify for anyone who's not familiar, uh, she is, we don't know what exactly, maybe a sentient piece of an old god, maybe a powerful servant of the old gods, maybe an entire other old god that is uh, just works differently in the lore. There's a lot that has to be unpacked about her uh, that they may touch on in future expansions as they expand the lore further. Uh, because right now she's uh, out there missing in action. But essentially she was uh, basically trapped in this knife. She is not the knife, but she was stuck in the knife. And uh, she is popping up throughout history uh, basically uh, being the weapon that whispers in the mind and gets dark impulses going uh, all the way from uh, being in the ancient days uh, a troll who uh, used her to uh, make lots of sacrifices that resurrected other uh, large old god uh, lieutenants known as Cathraxi, uh, who were very difficult to... Uh, Put down, it actually created a whole other ancient war called the Troll and Akira War, which is even more ancient than all the Night Elf Empire stuff. <laughs> wow. uh, there was also a time where she uh, actually worked herself into the hands of a, a dark iron sorceress. Uh, and caused all sorts of, you know, influencing lots of dark deeds to happen there. Basically, she makes it a thing that she brings out the worst in people, and they are wielding her, but in reality, she's wielding them. Uh, it's all part of the plan and finding a way. It keeps on wanting to be found everywhere. And uh, eventually, 
uh, she manages to uh, manipulate the player character into uh, doing something with Nazoth that sets her free, that's uh, free from the knife that we touched on in our previous Nazoth episode. And uh, now the knife is empty, Nazalatath is out of it, but uh, it still has a part to play. It's still quite powerful. And so uh, Horde characters feel compelled to bring it to Sylvanas Windrunner, who in turn sees it delivered to Queen Ajira. Uh, it actually serves almost as like a bit of a compass that points the Horde ships towards uh, where uh, Queen Ajira is so that they can deliver to her. And the Alliance is in hot pursuit. And uh, that is where the final thing that we are going to talk about, the final treasure, the Tidestone of Golgoneth, comes into play. Now, Golgoneth is one of the Titans, like one of the actual Titans who were responsible for helping to shape the cosmos and everything. And it is one of what is called the Pillars of Creation, powerful artifacts that were used in the shaping of Azeroth this literally is a tool that the Titans used to shape the very seas of Azeroth itself, filled with Titan magic, has power over the oceans, and uh, Queen Ajara has been trying to get her hands on it for quite some time right now, uh, and eventually did, and literally uses it as the Alliance and Horde ships are coming in to open up the sea like she's Moses or something, <laughs> but right in the middle of the ocean instead of a path from one dry land to another makes all the ships come crashing down in order to trap the Alliance and Horde people aboard them in Nazjatar. And uh, she's using it to keep it all there, to keep, it, uh, keep the sea at bay, to keep them trapped. And uh, throughout Questline and Nazjatar is uh, when you are basically out making allies and trying to figure out how you can get control of the Tidestone instead. Mm. Uh, and it is just... Eventually, like, a lot of the quests you go on, Queen Ajara is taunting you the whole time. She's like, hmm, test yourselves against my most powerful champions here. Let's see if you're worthy. You should provide entertainment for your queen. And she's like, again, she is taunting you the whole time directly as a player. Again, biggest egomaniac ever. <laughs> I cannot say that enough. Um... Uh, but it is entertaining also, just how full of herself she is. And uh, eventually it comes into a play that she has you there for a specific reason. Uh, she's keeping you there. She wants you there. You don't know why just yet. Uh, but there are some allies that you make depending on your faction. And one of them, if you are Alliance, is uh, the little free legendary minion that we got with Sunken City. Uh, who is a member of a race that is called the Ancoan, who are like these deep sea fish warrior people and who have been fighting a resistance against the tyranny of the Naga for a really long time. And our friendly blade master here is one of the leaders. In fact, he is someone who can actually become a follower, if I remember correctly. If you do enough quests for him, they'll give you some special rewards like a mount and whatnot. Uh, so he is one of the uh, main uh, representatives, one of the main allies from this race 
that you have if you are playing Alliance. If you're playing Horde, you get a whole different group of people who are kind of like uh, some outcast sea giants and gill goblins and other people who... Um, I'm kind of sad none of them actually got to become cards, because that would have been cool to get a bit more even faction representation. But uh, it's neat to have some reference to all that with this guy here. And his mechanic comes into play where, like, he, you know, he's the expert swordmaster who can counter everything. Uh, he's, you know, uh, one of the greatest members of his clan in uh, wielding a blade, and apparently a bit of magic, too. So that's where he comes into play there. Um, and you were saying just for the, the people listening, cause he, so this is, a he's a member of the race called the N Cohen, the N Cohen that were, uh, yeah. Deep sea warriors that were mostly hunted nearly to extinction by the Naga. We do have one other minion in this set that is, right. uh, and Cohen, which is the, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Light Blade? Pal- uh, the pal- it's the Paladin legendary, right? Yeah. And, and you were that saying one that- is a Hearthstone original character, but it's always neat to have the idea of them kind of expanding on things like that. Yeah. Uh, so there very well could be. It's just, you know, we didn't see them in this particular game. Uh, they are also distant relatives of Jinyu, uh, who are a fish race that you may remember a bit from Mean Streets at Gadget Stand. Because uh, they're uh, playing a couple cards. They are uh, fish people who also have a lot of watermelon magic. And they come from Pandaria. So they are those some of those Jade Lotus cards. Along with uh, Pandaren and Hosen and other creatures that come from there. And man, I just... This is amazing. I love that we have this. I still want my Pandaria expansion. Because <laughs> that there's so much to tap there as well. There, it, It's not that far off right wasn't there something about it when when like uh the like the great sundering and all the the continents all was split and stuff and wasn't pandaria like somewhere in there somewhere i don't well, i don't recall i remember reading the, about it and, and I, it was I had all the... part of one large landmass the emperor of pandaria had a vision uh that told him that there was going to be this big disaster coming and he should safeguard the land. And so Pandaria was actually shrouded from the rest of the world by a magical mist, by uh, him making a sacrifice and becoming one with the land. Uh, then, so that's the explanation for why you don't hear about it uh, until the expansion where it comes into play, because it was hidden from the rest of the world. Uh, but that is not a tangent that we can afford to go down at that this is, point. That is so on key as a game mechanic, though, just saying. Like, okay, I'll let it go. But, like, <laughs> the panda cards always have Shroud, right? They do. Like, I was just playing mm-hmm. uh, the... Uh, it's called the Mist of Pandaria. Well, there yeah. you go. Expansion. All right, well, let's not go too far down a, uh, a a rabbit hole, if you will. We do have a handful mm-hmm. of other legendaries that we did want to talk about. That were right. all, uh, I think now we're getting into the raid bosses, right? Yes. So after the uh, questing in Nazjatar, uh, which, by the way, as I remember, includes the ruins of Zinajari, this is where you encounter all those highborn ghosts that I was mentioning earlier. And actually, I'm doing a few quests for them. Try to convince them that Queen Najari isn't as good of a person, but it's... Like, they're in huge denial about everything. So, good luck with that. But, uh, so after this, uh, they get control of the Tidestone, uh, Queen Ashara appears and graciously invites you to come to her palace. Uh, because she 
she has like the poise all of the time. She never loses her cool. She's like, yes, this is the plan all along. Come, you are my welcome guests as you come. And uh, most of our legendary cards here, well, maybe not most, a fair amount of them are the bosses that you fight in this raid. So uh, what is our first one right here? So the first one is the Mage and Commander Sivara, which in uh, they're in chronological order of the raid bosses that you face. So this is the first boss of the Eternal Palace raid. Um, and so, yeah, this is... Uh, and the Eternal Palace, I guess, is... Uh, my, my notes here. The Eternal Palace is the royal seat of Queen Ajara and the Najatar Empire. It was built after the Sundering alongside the rest of Najatar. So, so right. Commander Sivara is the first raid boss. We don't really have any uh, much of a story there, but there's seven of them, right. I believe. There's seven yes. of them, and this is the first one. So, right again. So, we're going to be going pretty quickly right here because there's not much told about most of these. What we, the only thing that we know about uh, Savara is that she has the rank of Abyssal Commander, says she is a master of both martial and mechanical arts and has ruthlessly read Ajara's vanguard to countless victories. Uh, you'll notice that she looks a little bit uh, different, a bit kind of crab-like there. Um, theoretically, I think the more powerful or close to Ajara Anaga is, they kind of are customized a little bit more, a little less the generic snaky stuff. Uh, my guess is that she infuses them with a little extra magic in order as a reward or to empower them for their service. Uh, so yeah, she has that bit of a unique look and uh, she has a whole mechanic where, uh, in the fight where she spreads like some, you know, poison stuff around and some freezing stuff around and you have to stand in the right combination of things and not mix them. Otherwise you instantly die. So that's kind of what's inspiring her card effect a bit. It's not the most direct relation, but uh, it's a lot, a lot of this stuff uh, when there's not much story behind a character, oftentimes the card mechanic will take some degree of inspiration from the their mechanics as a boss. Yeah, yeah. In, in the picture, um, the Hearthstone card art, she also has a really kicking rad trident. Yeah, I said, Naga love their tridents. Hey. Oh, yeah. All right, so the next one up is a Colossal Minion, actually. This is the uh, second raid boss the blackwater behemoth yeah and this is i think perhaps the only one the only colossal minion that actually exists in canon i, yeah, um, I believe but, that's correct yeah right all the others are don't get me wrong they're really awesome creative minions and i love when hearthstone expands on stuff i also like it when i get to see some of my favorite uh bosses or lore characters as minions like said the Bit disappointed that Ozimut wasn't in there, but this guy is pretty cool. He doesn't have much lore. It's uh, basically, you know, a guardian that Ashara has there, and it's the second raid boss you fight, uh, but has a special mechanic that has a connection with another card in the set here, Bioluminescence. Because what's, uh, but what's special about the way that you fight this guy is that it's like Dao, you, you, it's an underwater fight. So you are swimming around. You have to go up and down and everything too, which is very unusual uh, for a, a Warcraft raid. But uh, it is like in the deep dark sea uh, and there is no light. Emphasis and on so, dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so you have 
actually, you are unable to receive healing unless you are covered with uh, bioluminescence that allows you to be healed in the deep dark sea. And the, the fight's mechanics focus around that quite a bit in order to keep the people alive so you can finish the fight. Um, and that is just like a, a cool thing that they made a reference to right there. That's super cool, yeah. I love it. Uh, that's super fun and uh, a neat nod to it. I mean, and, and who would have known without uh, really digging into this stuff? It's so cool. I love it. Yeah. All right. The next one up is the uh, is the third raid boss, which is our shaman legendary, the Radiance of Ashara. Right. Now, this has a little bit more that we can expand on here uh, because the Radiance of Ishara is just one of what are apparently called Arcane, Arcana Mental, which is like a an infused mix of an, an elemental with arcane magic. Uh, there are a few of these around. Uh, they are created by a Naga handmaiden who willingly sacrifices herself to become an instrument of Queen Ajara's will, uh, turned into these huge, powerful elementals of storm and magic. So, remember how I said that, like, she basically magically makes everybody love her? This is getting to, like, cult-level territory <laughs> yeah. here, where, like, I won't go and say things that could potentially, you know, have problems with maybe this uh the ratings on this podcast here i'm sure that anyone's familiar with extreme cult people and some of the things that they that a charismatic leader can drive their followers to do uh, they, we're approaching that level of things here these handmaidens are like yes Virajara, i give up my identity everything i am to become this thing uh, there's a, uh, four of these that have been faced, actually. So this one is the Radiance of Ashira. Uh, there's also the Wrath of Ashira, uh, who was uh, assigned to help take over an area, a landmass that was called the Eye of Ashira, which is the, just this island here uh, back in the Legion expansion. Um, but that was back when she was uh, trying to get her hands on the Tidestone. It was basically uh, part of that plan. And there is also one called the Pride of Ishira, uh, who was uh, causing some uh, problems over in Stormsong Valley. And there is the Fury of Ajira, uh, who was also causing some trouble uh she that one is basically a world boss in Nazjatar that you can fight uh the previous one the pride was actually working on laying siege to a Kul'tiran fort in an attempt to further weaken their defenses so yeah there's a few of these things going around this is how they get made they're f fanatical constructs and uh this one here is one that you happen to fight as a raid boss Interesting, uh, interesting to note as well, and I think we talked about this when we were looking at the uh, one of our previous um, uh, lore episodes with um, God. Now I can't think of the, the 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 name of it anymore. It was the Snow Boss? What is it called? Uh, the Free Legendary? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, Lokalar, the Ice Lord. Yeah, Lokalar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, when you look at the card, you don't see it. Like, yeah, okay, cool, this is a, a thing. But, like, when you look at the art in the game, you're like, oh, that thing is huge. Uh, 
And and that's kind of how this one is too, where you look at the card and you're like, oh, that's cool. But then you look at the picture in the game and this thing is massive. You see this little Naga standing next to it and this thing is like four times as, as large. Um, and so this is a true like elemental, <laughs> and, and which which makes sense why it has the elemental tag. Um, right. And see, it's the, the mixture of these different types of things like the storm and the magic, which lends itself to why the card is kind of like the mixture of the different spell schools. You get fire and nature and frost and yeah. OK, OK. Uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, OK, so so next we've got uh, so in the order of raid bosses. Right. So we go. There's a total of seven. So number one, again, is uh, Commander Savara. Number two is the Blackwater Behemoth. Number three is Radiance of Ashara. Number four in order is Priscilla Ashvane that we already talked about uh, in, in her newly transformed, mutated uh, appearance. And then we have a, a gap of uh, two missing raid bosses. And so this is a little bit interesting. I don't know, you make of it what you will. Um, you know, my thought here was that, hey, maybe these are potential for mini set. So the fifth raid boss is this like uh, giant octopus looking thing called uh, Orgozoa, if I'm saying that right. And then the I'm not sure how to pronounce it myself, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. O-R-G-O-Z-O-A or Orgozoa and, and which is on the top of the screen here. And then the sixth boss is called the Queen's Court and it's made up of two uh these the kind of naga warriors um so and i'm gonna mispronounce this terribly Silvaz the zealous and pashmar the fanatical um who who are also conspicuously missing from this set and so you know mini set prediction maybe i don't know <laughs> uh could could be and i don't know anything about these like it didn't seem like there was much story um yeah there's not really the uh the one who we can't pronounce is uh, essentially um, a, a spawning these uh, more, you know, abomination uh, minions that uh, Ajara can use. And, you know, like, but basically this is the egg layer uh, that, uh, you know, helps to bolster her Naga slash old god forces here. And you're just kind of you know, taking that out along the way. It's in your way when you're trying to get to Ajara and also... You don't want these things getting around at all. You have to fight some of the spawn while you're in the questing zone. And then you're like, here's where it's all coming from. You're like, yeah, I want to get rid of this. I want to stop it at the source. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the other ones, this is more like the the, the Queen's Court, the Queen's Guard. Right, uh, right. And so they are basically like, you know, to pipe ranking fanatical devotees of Ashira. And uh, what's fun about this fight is that she is just kind of standing and watching the whole time. And uh, there's actual parts where kind of you need to uh, like split them apart and kind of, you know, she, she's literally uh, giving orders about uh, this is she's treating it like an arena for her entertainment. She's like, now I want you to do this, and you have to do the specific things as part of the raid mechanics because it's like she is controlling the battlefield just because <laughs> she wants to be entertained. Uh, and you can take him out. She's like, oh, that was very nice, but I have a job to do now. Catch me if you can. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. 
Paraphrasing, like, of course. The gingerbread but... man. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Uh, and, and then our final boss, well, like, but for the queen, is mm-hmm. uh, the warlock legendary Zakul, however you say that. Right. And so this is, you know, an old god minion, clearly connected to Nazoth and whatnot. And uh, but I really like that they made a whole little class card system for the set based around his boss mechanics, which are focused on like pulling you into uh, horrible uh, visions and realms of madness. And so there are, you know, like basically uh, abyssal curses is the way that they uh, manifest this aspect. Uh, but I think it is really neat that I, I know that there's people questioning about, you know, how good is it as a mechanic? Personally, working with it just because I love it as flavor. Uh, just like throw as many curses at your opponent as you can. And uh, regardless of whatever the card's power level is, uh, I think it's really neat that they were able to take that flavor and not only put it into this minion, but make it literally half of the entire Warlock class identity for this set. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot here, but. Um... Yeah, the, my notes say, like, during the encounters, a cool cast spells that move the adventurers into the fear realm or the de- delirium realm, assaulting their minds. And so, like, the flavor's so good. Really, I really like it. Yeah, his uh, little journal entry says, The harbinger for the end of days, Zakul shreds the last vestiges of sanity from a world in chaos, laying the foundation for Azeroth's new master. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, once you uh, get past this thing, uh, then it's time to face Queen Ajira herself uh, in what is called like the the last prison. Because uh, as it turns out, uh, this is the thing that is keeping Nazoth in chains, uh, preventing him from you know fully influencing. And throughout the entire uh, fight. Basically, you use uh, this thing that uh, has been your main game mechanic throughout the entire expansion called the Heart of Azeroth, which is infused with the power of the Titan Azeroth. You've been using it to absorb all this Azerite, you know, like Priscilla Ashvane was trying to turn into weapons. Like, really powerful stuff here. Uh, And Azira tricks you into using the power of the Azerite, literally the power of a Titan, because remember, the Titans are the ones who lock Nazoth away, uh, and only a Titan can free, apparently. So, uh, she tricks you into, while you're attempting to put the power into the machine in order to keep it uh, locked, she manages to siphon it to unlock it and break all the chains. And she's like, I tricked you this whole time, all that thing. Every time you leveled up the power of that game mechanic, that was because I was arranging for you to come and bring it to me. And all that stuff with Sylvanas and whatnot, yep, that was all part of my plan. Uh, And, man, she makes you feel stupid. Uh, (laughs) But uh, then she still dies. Well, uh is actually you defeat her in the raid but the thing is that she's been holding back her power still uh because she was playing with you because she wanted you to do all that stuff in order to free nazoth 
uh, but she's a bit distracted while doing the ritual, so you do manage to kind of knock her out. But before uh, everyone can wield the deal the finishing blow, uh, mainly you're accompanied by uh, Lorthamar Theron, who's the leader of the Blood Elves, and Gina Proudmore is there too. And uh, there's the cinematic, which... Uh, you guys can find if you want to look on YouTube or whatnot, I, I recommend uh, at the end of the raid, where it's like they are coming up and she's, uh, Ajara's lying down, they're about to finish her, but then the chains all break and like, what just happened? And the huge uh, inky tentacle of Nazoth comes up and uh, like gives Ajara like some revitalization. She's like, because <gasps> uh, she's like being shocked back to life a oh. bit. And I then love just that. Pulls her back down. I love that picture. Yes, yes, I know exactly the picture that you're talking about because it's kind of funny. <laughs> but, um, yeah, keep talking. I'll pull it up here. Well, yeah, so essentially, it turns out that uh, Queen Ashura wasn't going to release Nazoth, or, or so she claims at least, wasn't going to release him so that he could rule over all the world and bring out the Outer Twilight and everything because. She wants to rule everything. Like, it's it's her right to rule everything. <laughs> no puny old god is going to get in her way. Uh, so, basically, her plan, so she says, was that she was going to uh, use the empty Zalatath blade to kill Nazoth just as he came out. And she says, like, I would have done it if you hadn't taken me out, if you hadn't interfered, if you would have just, you know, died like you were supposed to, and not interfered with my plans, then I would have gotten rid of Nazoth once and for all. Hmm. So there. Uh, and Nazoth, uh, you know, he catches on to this, and he's not happy about that she was trying to use him that way. So, uh, Queen Ajara gets pulled into the nightmare old god realm of Nihilotha, that is Nazoth's little hidey hole there, uh, which is literally another plane of existence that, again, we talked about in our Nazoth episode, and has her ordered to be endlessly tortured as punishment. Uh, and so, ironically, in the final raid of uh, the Battle for Asmoth expansion called Nihilotha the Waking City, there was a boss fight where you need to free Queen Azara from being tormented by the old god, uh, the, the old god's tormentor, chaotic minion, etc. Um, who, if I recall correctly, I think is the one that was the minion from the Dark Moon races. Uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly here, uh, the one that has reduces the cost of all your corrupted cards. You guys remember that one? Hmm. It was a priest legendary that came with the Dark Moon Races mini set. Oh yeah. 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 Looking it up now. Trying to remember what, what his name was, because yeah, he was one that I played around with to try and make work and it, it never did, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's uh I think it's the same character. It's like a real, like a complete ma sadistic master of torture uh, that who Nazoth employs to, you know, because normally old gods are really good at dominating the minds and uh, causing corruption and everything, but for those particularly resistant ones, like Ajara, uh, you, you turn them over to the special high quality torturer in order to break them. Uh, in order to embrace nihilism and madness and the end of everything. Um, and so, essentially, 
uh, once you free Ajara, and I'll mention that right now you're being accompanied by Rathian, uh, who is has a special interest in making sure that Nazoth is taken out uh, because he wants to avoid the fate of his father, Deathwig, of the whole being corrupted by Nazoth thing. Um, hey, there yeah, it is. I found Dark it. Dark Inquisitor... Uh, Zanesh. Yeah, Zanesh. Yep, I'm pretty sure that's the same one. I'm, uh, either that or she's a slightly different fight, but I think it's the same one there who's torturing Ajira. Anyway... Uh, after you free Ajira, after you win the fight, uh, she essentially is like, well, you know, I was going to do this myself. I'll just tell you my whole plan. Uh, but here, you take the knife. <laughs> Let's see if you can go kill Nazoth. And you better do it good, because if you don't get it with the first shot, you won't have a second chance to stab him with this knife here. Um, and then she basically just says that... Uh, uh, she is tired of dealing with intermediaries and heralds, and there is a true throne of power that she is going to claim. Then she just opens up this void portal and disappears, and that's the last that we've seen of her so far as things stand in the lore right now. We may have defeated her as a raid boss, but she is still out there. She is as egomaniac and power-hungry as ever, if not more so. <laughs> and we have no idea what she's doing. And it is terrifying. And that's where we have to leave this. That is the story of the Naga as it stands right now. Nice. So, so how does Rathion play into all of this? Like, I mean, I guess he accompanies. You said to so as not to not face the same face as, as Deathwing, but like Rathion, I guess, is a he hero? Yeah, so again, Rathion is uh, a black dragon who was uh, managed to be purged of his corruption, and we talked a bit about him way back mm -hmm. in our black dragon episode, and we were talking with Anixia's lair and everything. Yeah, but he was uh, basically said, a little whelp. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. now, now he's a bit more mature. He's a drake now. Uh, but he has made it a specialty of studying how to prevent and block corruption. Uh, so he is your expert on not being mind-controlled by Nazoth when you're fighting Nazoth. And he actually has this really cool little uh, cinematic in the raid uh, where he uh, like is doing like all this cool stuff where like kind of spinning Zalatath the dagger, which remember is empty now, and like doing a big stab right into the body of Nazoth in order to open it up so that you can go and take on Nazoth's mind and fight him, like, destroy him at his core. Uh, and Rathian, he's just, like, the guy who takes care of all that, and uh, he just looks really cool while he's doing it. That's I cool. recommend looking up that cinematic as well. Nice. We'll have to do that. I'm, I'm really it's very dashing at this point. Super cool. Wow, that's a lot of story. And, and just think, this is the short version. Uh, yes, this so is the very short version. <laughs> We summarized a lot, and we've been here for quite some time. The Reader's Digest abridged version. <laughs> right? Wow. Okay. Incredible. That's incredible. So I want you guys to think about all this stuff when you're playing Sunken City cards. Maybe it'll give you some inspiration to try out a few that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before. Like I said, I'm playing with the Warlock stuff. Maybe it's not the best mechanically, but man, it's fun to play along with that fantasy. And uh, do you guys have any things that you're thinking of that 
man, you know, maybe I want to try out this card that I wasn't really playing with much before because I like the story. You know what I, I what I want to try like I when I've played a lot of Queen Jara, but I have not experimented with most of the treasures. I typically will pick the one that gives you Colossus because that's too uh, It's it's you know it's fun, but Brad. <laughs> I I would like to try the other ones. And I, what I'm really curious for, and I you know there's a way to find out, and we won't do it on on air, but we can goof around with it later. Uh, there's usually interactions with when you play one card against a different card and there's like sound clips that, that will play. And I'm really curious in what those interactions are, especially if it's like, oh, I wonder if there's one with uh, Queen Ajara and Rathion. I wonder if there's one with Ajara and Nazoth. I wonder if what happens if you play the, the knife and Rathion, like, and sometimes we know, and sometimes we don't. Some experimentation. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of times, you know, the, the different websites and stuff will find that stuff out from data mining. But, like, I, I just, like, them thematically, the idea of playing these things together to see if they do anything. Uh, and someone mentioned earlier, I think, when you play um, Taronda against uh, Lady Vosh, there's a special sound interaction. And so it's just really fun to see that stuff. And so... You know, you're kind of looking at this stuff with new eyes and especially like, oh, I, I wonder what happens if like Xavius is like the worst card in Hearthstone, right? Like this is the one where they removed Illidan from the game and turned it into Xavius and no one's thought about it for years now. And yeah. uh, and like what happens if you play Xavius and Lady Vosh at the same time? Is there any interaction there? Like that'd be rad. Um, and just the story in general is just it's like it's it's crazy cool and so i don't know that there's anything in particular that like i am wanting to play super bad but i really want to see the interactions and kind of how some of this stuff works and it's just more fun to to for me anyways to play when i know the story behind them because like otherwise it's like all right it's it's a pretty artwork and it's it's uh some you know some neat visual effects and some cool sounds but like I love playing the card and be like, I know who that is. I know their story. I know what happens next. I know this is supposed to go. And like, you feel like you're in the, in the know. And I like that. Yeah. And for me, it's not so much whenever I'm playing something so much as whenever my opponent plays a queen Ajara against me, I will take a, a special um, <laughs> pride and, and joy in uh slaying her because I, I know that that she would uh dislike that handling and if your opponent is using the queen ashara portrait you'll take special light every when you win the game exactly <laughs> that's great that's great well uh that that pretty much wraps it up for our storyline here there's a lot more that we could have gone into um, and, and, you know, we, we may have to dive into some of these things at, at a later date, but this is, uh, you know, kind of the big picture overview. Goliath, thank you so much, uh, for, for telling us the, the tale and, and giving us your time. It's just, it's so enjoyable and, uh, we couldn't do it without you. It's, it's amazing. So thank you so, so much. Um, that's kind of that, that, you know, that's, that kind of is wrapping it up for our show. We do have a, a weekly listener challenge that we should get to um 
And so uh, for those of you who are new to this, most of you already know, but we have a weekly challenge every week. And so the idea is that we come up with a challenge for y'all to do that is, uh, you know, kind of tricky, kind of crazy, kind of fun sometimes. And a lot of times it's themed about what we're talking on the show. And so last week, our listener challenge was uh, we had just we had just wrapped up the uh, theory crafting event that we were um uh, participating in, and one of our favorite cards was Mecha Shark. Do 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 do, and <laughs> and so and so the um, the challenge last time was to play as many shark minions as possible at the same time on both sides of the board. Uh, you know, to the extent that you can mani- manipulate your opponent's side of the board. And so there's a number of minions. There was Mecha Shark. There was Grawl the Shark. There was uh, Shark Fin Fan. There was um, Lone Shark and spirit of the shark i think there was a couple others tiger shark anyways uh that that was the goal um and we had a handful of people participate but the winner is uh none other same same as our winner last week ultacon with a total of 12 sharks here which is incredible and i love it because they're so varied and so uh mm-hmm. you know there's there's the grawl the shark there's um uh, shark fin fan there's the tiger shark there's lone shark there's the spirit of the shark and then there's the uh uh what's his name the shark genzo the shark right Genzo, yeah that's so great um, all of them i love it it's that is and they're all golden too so um golden shark <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Yes. Uh, yeah. New parody song incoming there. So I love to see it. So congratulations to our winner, Ulticon. So yeah, two packs on us. Congrats for winning. We will be uh, immortalizing this um, accomplishment on our website in our hall of fame for, for all to see. And, and uh, very, very cool that you could get so many love it. Um, and that sort of brings us to this week's challenge is there something that we want people to do that is somehow thematic, uh, thematically tied into this week's show or this week's story? Um, any any ideas or suggestions? Uh, really kind of tempted. You know, it's it's hard sometimes to do things that are thematic without requiring people to have too many cards. And so I love the idea of like, yeah, I want you to, to play Rathion and play zalatash dagger and kill your opponent with the dagger like that'd be so cool right but but it, then it requires you to have rathion and i don't want people to have to crap that card because it's not good <laughs> so right. um any other ideas uh either of you well let's see i'm thinking we could have we done anything with Naga uh, Naga Tribe Synergy? Yeah, no, we already did. There was a challenge like that a while ago. We had it? we had one recently where it was play as many Nagas or as many Nazoth related minions. Right. Um and, and the winner I think had a board full of Nazoths on on one, and then there was another screenshot with a board full of uh various copies of, of Zola. But, you know, I mean, if we wanted to make it Naga-centric, we could do something like that, especially now that there's more available, because this was before the set came out. Yeah. Um, I think that another theme we could potentially lean into is, you know, the whole thing is, you know, the sunken city and that they, the whole thing collapsed uh, because of their powerful magic, the utter hubris, and uh, then they just went on built back trying to get... Uh, 
you know, to make an even bigger and better city and reclaim everything. So if there's anything we can work maybe around like the sunken mechanics and about building size, maybe incorporating powerful spells. What are you guys thinking? What's something realistic we could do that encapsulated that theme a bit? Okay, I have an idea, right? Because I did uh, tons of reading for this and it was very interesting with, in particular with the Well of Eternity, specifically talking about arcane power. And as they have... Uh, in in the not too distant past have have swapped up um or, or classified the various spells as belonging to spell classes so i've got arcane and shadow and fire and frost and all that stuff and so what would be kind of cool would be maybe uh to to see how much um spell damage you know you know when you play various minions and you accumulate spell damage like spell yeah. power damage so mm -hmm. how much how much spell damage power can you get solely with nagas and then cast an arcane spell uh like the the biggest damage arcane spell based on spell damage nagas does that make sense are I'm, there enough nagas with spell damage there's a couple and and there's a zola the gorgon and there's some I, I mean, I don't know. There's yeah. Other ways like to it. give. There's there's ways to damage. give things spell damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Let's go with that. So how do I want to word this? The the most uh, uh like gained spell damage to Naga Naga minions. Uh huh. And then largest damage arcane spell there you go and this would be something that people i presume have to capture with a screenshot like while they're casting the spell or just spam that screenshot button uh yeah, what, what, <laughs> yeah. What, so the 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 things that i think we want to see are how much spell damage uh like ha have you gained and then how much uh how much damage can you get from one arcane spell? Yeah. And one way how I would probably do it um, is kind of whenever you're hovering over the spell itself, you can see how much it'll do. So one screenshot there and then one screenshot where it's actually hitting. Let's be, let's be honest. The opponent's face. <laughs> we want that going face. <laughs> is there, is there anywhere else? Uh, that's the place, right? There are some spells that can only target minions, but yeah, exactly. We want to see the face. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. I think that's fun. I mean, I'm glad we kind of worked through it. That that seems like a fun one. Uh, I, like I like that. It. I like that. And so, yeah, we'll if if that was a little bit unclear, it'll be in the show notes here. But uh, yeah, most gain spell damage to Naga minions, then largest damage from one arcane spell uh, to the face. <laughs> um, Sheep, would you kindly tell folks how they can participate in these challenges? Absolutely. So challenges can, of course, be played in casual or on ladder. So you can't play against a friend or against the innkeeper. Your friend will let you in and the innkeeper won't try, but will let you in too. Uh, we don't necessarily want you to tank your rank. So you don't necessarily have to play on ladder. So you can play on casual. But we also don't want it to be too easy either with a uh, PVE content or, uh, you know, against friends or whatnot, that would just make it too easy. So once you've gotten your screenshots from playing on casual or ladder, 
post those in our Discord in the weekly challenges channel. The winner, just like with Ulticon tonight, will be announced on next week's show, receive two Hearthstone packs on us, and of course will be immortalized in the Hall of Fame on the Born to be Wild website. So we definitely are looking forward to seeing what crazy things you come up with. I, I just want to see a, a huge number hitting the opponent's face. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest there. <laughs> this is going to be one of those good ones. We're going to see if people can w keep on one-upping each right other. in the face. <laughs> exactly. That would be awesome. Like, yeah, the bigger the, that we can get it, the better. That would be super fun. And, and it's thematic in its own way, and I like that as well. So uh, very, very, very cool. Well... That everybody is is a wrap for this week's show. Thank you all for joining us here. Uh, to those of you, particularly who are watching this live, thank you all for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you again, a big giant thank you to Goliath for spending the evening with us and telling us the amazing story behind these really fun cards. And and you have definitely earned the the title Lore Master. And so. Uh, uh, and I think Songmaster as well, or or whatever the uh, the, the title is there. You are um, a uh, a gentleman and a scholar and and a bard. I think in in many ways, uh, just incredibly talented. And so thank you thank very you. much for your for your <laughs> time. You. And and these are always fun. I, I love doing these. And and again, this is the first time that I really spent a ton of time like reading. And I was like, wow, wow, how do you do it? There's so much here. So. Um, yeah, I just new newfound appreciation. And so, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yes. All right, everybody. Well, that does it for us. Uh, we will be back next week with another new episode. Um, maybe we can do a little bit of story time. We didn't get to it this week, but sheep and I both hit legend this past week. And so, uh, I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about with a new set coming out and what we're all playing, how the meta is kind of shaken out and, and uh, whether there is anything to be done about these uh, Kelthos Druid decks or the Switcheroo Priest or anything else, and and uh, we'll have a we'll have a great time. So uh, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we will see you again next week on another new episode of Born to Be Wild. Born three be wild. <laughs> Job's done. Oh, that's good. Can we just play the song again because it was so good? Sure. Yes, please. All right, <laughs> let's do that thing. Uh The rhyme and theme was too perfect the to not match um, So good. Banks of a magic lake. They reached for and fun and power, but that was a big mistake. The land they were on was sundered, blown up in an ancient war. The city of Zinashari, it sunk to the ocean floor. Zinashari is under the sea. Ruled by the Naga, Kamira Saga of Sunken City. They built the city Nashatar for their queen superstar. Marking the era of Queen Ajira under the sea. Something's real little tough. Down here in the darkest ocean, sunk down in abyssal rock. The whispers of old gods linger, the influence of Mizoth. He transformed the elves to Naga to serve and survive the sea. The plot to destroy his chains now, finding ways to set him free. 
Oh, under the sea. Under the sea. Zinashari. Zinashari. These are colossal, some ancient as fossils. Can you believe? There's great treasures, some alleged. Send down the salvage crew to dredge. We get to Duncan to find what's been sunken under the sea. In Zinashari. Murlocs be swarming, they come without warning on Naga's decree. Even though the cast by the crew of Servants of Grawl, they come here to brawl in Zinishari. The Mechies detect to keep through the deep and uproot the loot from centuries sleep. The pension as well, the curses they burst, the faceless will lead your soul. The tridents of tyrants, the shots make their mark. The city is pretty because of the dark. And down in the south, I'm into the thicker the Jamaican accent stuff here, so it's a little hard to understand. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. Again, and I can share all the the lyrics that I wrote if you want to post those with it. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Under the sea, in Sinishari, are the Cohen resisting, but Queen is insisting that they bow the knee. Neptune is Lord of Waves, but Naga wants him blown away for complete domination of sea population from Sinishari. The beauty's hypnotic down in aquatic in Sinishari. The whole population is grown to mutation, skillful with magic, the story is tragic, your love when you see it, I guarantee it, and see it is shari. <laughs> so good, so good. It'll Sounds be on our, it'll be on our website if you want to download it or play it. It'll be on the website. Thank you again, Goliath, and thank you everybody. Have a wonderful uh, evening. Until next time. <laughs>